0: This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse.
1: Hi, I'm Paul. At least so my papers say.
2: Okay. Hi, I'm Martha.
0: Hi, I'm Evan. We're going to talk about the city, or no, just city of Endless Night by Milo Hastings. There is another uh, book with that title by, I think, Preston or Child or something. It's very hard to find this one when you're doing searches because that other one's relatively new. I assume it has absolutely nothing to do with this, but I... It I've has to do wrong. with
1: an FBI agent, so yeah.
0: See? Like I am saying, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> nothing. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I kind of like <laughs> Preston and Child books, but... Um, uh, wait, wait a hundred years and see see how good they are. This book is a hundred years old. I just realized. Um, first mm-hmm. published in a magazine called True Story, which I had very difficult time finding any evidence that actually physically existed, like with a photo. Um, uh, it was serialized from June 1919 to November 1919 um, as not. Children, uh, oh, sorry, <laughs> as um, City of Endless Night, but rather as a, a book called Children of Culture and culture spelled K U L T U R. Culture, culture,
2: culture
1: yeah, Coulter. Coul- is mentioned in the book, it mm-hmm. it so that I could see why they might. Use
0: that as, um, so, apparently, there was some uh revisions, we don't know what that means, maybe that just means they took out the pictures, which was why I was so desperate to try and get a copy. I wanted to see illustrations. Um, and in 1919, it likely would have had something, even if it wasn't, you know, every third page, a beautiful Virgil Finlay or something like that. Um, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't find it. So if I ever do find it, I'm going to put them in the show notes. Um, pretty amazing book, don't you think?
2: Yeah,
0: I was blown away. Actually, it, it, it,
2: me too.
1: It, it felt more nineteenth century than early 20th, because it looks like it was written just after the First World War. But like with, especially like with the the way the chapter titles go, felt felt more Victorian than Edwardian. It's like Chapter Four. I go pleasuring on the level of free women and drink synthetic beer those mm. chapter titles are so good <laughs> I
3: love that stuff yeah. a
1: goddess who is suffering from obesity and a brave man who's afraid of the law of averages it's like he, he puts so much effort into these chapter titles it's like I was amazed I mean that's just the, the most basic level of what struck me about this book right from the get go
2: and did you mm-hmm. enjoy them, Paul? I thought you were gonna. Um, no, I, all the chapter titles are like spoilers for each chapter. They, I they, like, they, oh, they, yeah. are, they
4: are
1: spoilers. <laughs> and We know about mean spoilers, but that's okay
2: because i
1: i i fell into I fell into the fell into it and was able to go with that. It's like in which yeah. a woman I was anticipating, her, yeah, and I yeah, placed yeah. a ruby necklace about her throat.
0: Yeah, I be- thought, oh, that's a metaphor for slitting her throat. Right? I thought
3: that too. Yeah, <laughs>
1: I, 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 wasn't sure at that point that the, whether it was a metaphor, but when we saw, like, we, fi- we finally pay off from the beginning of the book that this guy had had a relationship, and finally, finally, she shows up, and I, I, I was, I was hoping throughout this book that we would actually have a confrontation with the one person who might be able to identify him at, as a false, mm-hmm. and it's like. The real Carl stats like, okay, that's great. But I, I, I still feel that I still felt a little undercooked at the end. That she she basically gets bought off with some jewelry and. But.
0: Well, that's yeah, the massage. that much attention. That's the massage so, me.
1: I, 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 I mean, it it, it, it it turns out in the end that it's his assistant, not her, that basically tries to turn him in and. She, he has to scramble at the end to to escape. What as he as he set up these careful plans, and then so, suddenly, suddenly his secret is out, and he's he's got to, he's got to, he's got to run
4: for run for it. And then, of course, well, Prince- I, I, go ahead. Evan. You know, I didn't pay that much attention to the plot because, like, from right away, I was I thought the whole. S- I mean, it's, it's a dystopian utopian novel, so it's all kind of preposterous. Like mm-hmm. the thing that kept bothering me is, how is this guy's German that good? It's just like a throwaway line. <laughs> <at> the chin. <laughs> that was definitely
2: the. Especially one of after those. 200 years, like yeah, I, I
4: remember what was it? A Tarantino movie where like the number of fingers gave that guy away? And, yeah, like the way he put up his fingers gave the, the, him away. The, is not German,
1: right? Right. As far, you know, as, far, as far as the right in the bar scene in uh in uh in Glorious Bastards, the way you signal yeah. for beer, that's what gave the guy away. And I. <laughs> That's a, that's a great scene. And yet, yeah, that never so that, happens never. to this guy, ever.
2: I kept on thinking yeah, that all so, the way through, and it was the one thing that I had to just keep on telling myself, like, that you just have to go with that and not think about yeah. it too much, because <laughs> there's no way that he could pull that off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I th-
4: I th- I, just as a as a treasure trove of, of ideas that were there I, at the time, I, I think it's amazing. You said that kind of... Felt like a 19th century novel, but the idea is there. I don't think this could have been written in the 19th century. And you, you
1: don't, think but like, it's like, still like, so like a, like a late Fern, maybe. Although not as optimistic.
4: Uh, the, maybe. I mean, of course you had, I mean, just world war one had to have happened. And uh, the Britain hmm. and German conflict and the Germany's, you know trying to take global hegemony from from britain and and that whole conflict is but, in the backdrop of this
1: right and obviously and, but
4: and, and i mean the idea it's and it's very forward thinking i mean he seems to get the nazis quite right here the fascists got yeah, the nazis oh. exactly right oh, it's oh God, crazy. Just, How, you know, right I, I actually look at the date cuz when i was listening i'm like this can't be
0: yeah, it's it's fucking Nazis. It's absolutely, insane. their complete ideology, everything, their breeding programs. Their, yeah, uh, uh, like the final solution uh, is different, but it's the same. Yeah, how
4: do they? They get rid it's of the Jews. It's
0: crazy how like, accurate like they captured it. That, that, that was kind
2: of interesting, but well, I was wondering uh, how much of that was in the culture already before the Nazis rose to clearly. power. Like, yeah, and then yeah, when Lada I looked was. up, like. The stuff with the eugenics, like the breeding programs, I never realized that that was in America already and that Hitler had even, oh, yeah. like, Far mentioned it yeah. in Mein Kampf, like, from the American eugenics program. So, obviously, that was, like, really in the consciousness.
0: I want to I wanna talk about that a bit. Um, so, that magazine I, I mentioned, True Story, was a was, uh, Bernard McFadden um, <laughs> publication now. Uh, I don't know how closely you're paying attention to my hate list, but I have a hate list. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> current people who you? exist in writing, uh, anything they write or talk about just drives me up the wall. Bern- Bernard McFadden is one of these guys from history that has like, you fucking asshole. You fuck things up. You lied about so much shit. Uh, and yet you have to respect the fact that they're out there fucking things up. Right. Uh, so this guy, Bernard McFadden, I, I guess I have this animus towards him because uh, I hold him largely responsible for uh, uh, P.E. class. Uh, oh. Physical education um, was... Oh,
2: I hate him too now.
0: Uh, right. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's the number one reason to hate him. He had a magazine called Physical Culture, which he pushed really hard. Um, uh, I guess I have to hate William Hope Hodgson, who was really into it as well. But he died in World War I and didn't really get the whole uh, P.E. Pushed. I mean, he was working on it, but he died. So, Uh, but Bernard McFadden was publishing tons of magazines. He was doing editorials. Um, He was. He has so many things you can hate about him. One of the columns he wrote in uh, one of his glossy magazines called Liberty was an anti-vax column. Really, really bad guy. Um, He he had like eight kids, and all of them started with the letter B. Um, after him, except for what I think maybe wrong one with of them. This guy. <laughs> uh, or, well, yeah, and in this one, I was noting on the Milo Hastings Wikipedia entry that um, he actually this our guy Milo Hastings wrote three science fiction items. Uh, the only one that we know about, obviously, is the one we read. But uh, there's this one called "Clutch of the War God," which was fu- published in Physical Culture, uh, that magazine that was pushing going to the gym and looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, I'm buff. I'm going to live forever. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Which is, which is what Bernard McFadden was like. He said, he was going to live to 150. He died at 78 of a curable disease. Um, And uh, Milo Hastings, um, he, he made like breakfast snacks or something uh, that were going to be nutritious and not sugary. Um, and then he was smoking constantly, <laughs> <He> <laughs> died of, died of lung cancer, um, uh, or whatever. But, uh, the important part is, um, this other book, uh, called clutch of the war God, which apparently has never been collected. Um, uh, Milo Hastings seems like a genuine smart guy cause he, he's anticipating a war between the United States and Japan with Japan invading the United States using something called uh, what we would call aircraft carriers. And this is 1911,
3: Hmm.
0: which, you know, aircraft carriers were not a a real thing back then.
1: Yeah, barely aircraft were,
0: much less aircraft carriers. Yeah, aircraft are uh, in the works and we're hoping for. uh, (laughs) But yeah, they use flat top ships uh, that can launch airplanes. Uh, To take over the United States. So that's pretty interesting. But the the most important part about this is that um, Bernard McFadden was in, uh, he was basically on house arrest for, let's see if I can find the exact phrase. uh, Oh, obscenity. (laughs) McFadden at the time, 1910, was under a suspended jail sentence for an obscenity conviction related to a beauty contest. What? Wait, what? <laughs> well, see, that's the thing, right? Is it, physical culture and breeding programs and all this shit are very interconnected. So uh, eugenics, right? The idea that oh, um, we're going to breed all these blonde beauties. We're going to breed all this. You know, you know, the Trump goes into the. Uh, Junior Miss America pageant or whatever, and says, "Hey, ladies, or whatever," while they're getting dressed. Oh, okay. uh, that's what I anticipate. Um,
2: that was a happy. very deep voice for Trump, though.
0: I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's doing McFadden. But the important part is McFadden was a fucking bad guy, Um and uh, this was his way getting um Hastings to write this book. Was his way of scolding the federal government, hoping to shame officials into granting him a pardon. Mm-hmm.
2: Wow, really? <laughs> well,
0: it says. And uh, whoever's written this Wikipedia entry has done an extensive, uh, I mean, a ton of research. It's pretty amazing.
2: This is the um, the clutch of the War God right. short story you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I think it's a it, I think it's a novel. Oh,
2: a okay. Series
0: of novel, uh, from uh, July, August, and September, so it's a short oh. novel probably. But I kind of um, want
2: to read it because probably, I'm right? I'm sad this guy didn't write a lot more science fiction.
0: It's very interesting, and if you read the rest of his Wikipedia entry, um, he was deep into chicken breeding.
1: I I found it on Gutenberg. In the Clutch of the Mm -hmm. War God, the tale of the Orient's invasion of the Osteodent as chronicled in the Humanic Culture Society, History of the 20th Century, in three parts from Physical Culture magazine, July to September, 1911.
0: Cool. Is there any illustrations
1: in there? What's that?
0: Is there any illustrations in it?
1: There are, as a matter of cool. fact. But have I lost my figure? Inquired the lithe man, Madam Oshima. That's one of the illustrations. <laughs> the two men, the two women of Aryan blood work together in the cotton field side by side with the Orientals. I'm reading the, the captions of these
0: illustrations. <laughs> oh, I'm looking my. at them now, too.
1: Oh, Lord in heaven, mercy.
0: Um, Hi. Maybe somebody on uh, LibriVox will record it for us, and we can do a show on it, just like happened today.
2: Mm, be great if the same um, narrator did it. Actually, she was She's really she was really good. Really a good. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I I I think there was one word, and she she got it. One. It was in the it was in the beginning. I think she got it pronounced wrong later. But it's a huge book with a lot of sort of obscure vocab. Hmm. Um, you did a really good job and a really nice recording.
1: Yeah. Oh, definitely.
0: Um, yeah, this looks like a, a pretty interesting book. And um, thinking, you know, what uh, this is the war with Japan, United States war with Japan, uh, this other book. And the one we've got is the United States war with with um, Germany. Germany, but uh, told in a different, different uh, time frames and such like that.
1: Yeah, more like a cold, um, this is more like a long-standing Cold War between the U.S. and Germany because
0: after World War III, though, yeah, right? A, a, after it's after not easy. Uh, yeah. he basically calls it World War II and World War III. He doesn't use that exact phrasing, but uh, the Second Great War, or something I think he said, and then the Third Great War. It's uh, I think he used yeah. World War II. I, I, I think mean, I remember did World he say war II. World War II. Wow.
1: Yeah, he do, he does mention the Second World War. Let me see if I can find it. In, in
0: Pretty yeah, good Maybe it was Second World War. That was the the term. Yeah, and uh, the you know the fact that they're already anticipating uh, it as such. Okay. We're still yeah. anticipating it too.
1: Okay, so let's see. Um, nope, no. Is that what I wanted? Okay. Third, oh yeah, he does. Yep. The, the fourth map was the most fascinating and terrible. Again, the black of autocracy appeared. Again, basically seeing the Nazis, except making the Nazis basically the German, the German uh, monarchy, obliterating the right of the brotherhood of man. That would be that would be the communists spreading across half of Eurasia and thrusting a broad black shadow to the Yellow Sea and a lesser one to the Persian Gulf. This map was labeled "Maximum German Expansion of the Second World War, 1988." And the lines of of dotted white retreated in concentric waves to the line of twenty forty one. That is really dark. That's a sixty year world war he's thinking about, mm-hmm. because he has the League of Nations nineteen nineteen to nineteen eighty three after the First World War, and so that basically he has League of Nations lasting longer than in our in our timeline, and then it basically falls when Germany decides to try to conquer the world. I mean. German again, don't again, forget the second part again again <laughs> and then had to be pushed pushed back so uh,
0: I was thinking that there there's a possibility that like Hitler read this book and he said, yep, this except for the part where we don't <laughs> lose <laughs> like um there's a there's a it, I, I'm going to reject this premise because i I don't think I don't think Hitler read English and it was published in American. Uh, you know, magazine, but, um, a lot of what's going on in this book, I think is a reflection of American propaganda about, uh, about Germany. Yeah. Right. And yet that propaganda is based on, on a philosophy that was extant, right. Um, the fact that they've got this upwardly mobile empire they're really keen on, Spanish, not so keen on their empire anymore, right? British, yeah, they seem to be keen on their empire, but turns out that they're all fagged out from too much, uh, I don't know, global expansion. Um, and the Americans, boy, they're just getting up ahead of steam, right? So there's this this um, him somehow distilling and capturing a particular um, actual strain of pre-Nazism or... It's it's
1: pre-fascist too, isn't it? Oh, it, it, it's. Am I uh, wrong? No, no, you're not wrong. Autoc- autocracy, uh, uh, fa- fascism is aut- autocratic. I mean, I mean, I mean. Yes, we have, we have, and, and it's the weird way he goes about this monarchy. I mean, he has a monarchy, the holland which was weirdly weird because I haven't heard that word outside of a, out of a classroom in ages. It's just suddenly <laughs> it's in this book, mm-hmm. but but they're all, but they're a autocracy autocratic monarchy that also weirdly has a connection to the people because he knows about the whole thing about, Oh, the workers are going strike because they're not supporting the monarchy. <laughs> that The very weird politics in this book de- reminded right, reminded me of national socialism. Definitely.
4: Well, yeah. So like Germany I'm at- had a, that revolution in 1919, right? A workers revolution. Yeah. So Hastings would have known it didn't go, they weren't going to go communist, right? Because they had their, like, the, the workers' revolution was in 1919, and it failed, right? But, but the he, signs was it was kind of moving towards, like, a liberal democracy. That's my understanding of it. You know, you had the Weimar Republic right. emerging mm-hmm. in the aftermath of that revolution. And the, he even makes the comment somewhere, like, the Holens Zollerns were overthrown and then at some point restored by kind of popular mandate. And they're calling him Will- William uh, William the Great. I guess that's William the First, right? The first Wilhelm, right? Yeah, Will, yeah, Wilhelm the the first, the Great in the book mm-hmm. would have been the first, I think. Maybe the second. I don't know. I'm
0: guessing. It's really interesting. Uh, like, I mean, we don't really get it as a technology novel. The, the technology is sort of never explicitly like if Heinlein was doing it. No,
1: we no. would have w- 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 Way w- more. William the Great is William oh, about, the Second because they talk about because they talk about here that uh, he abdicated which was william the Because Se- the, they say william the Ooh. great abdic- abdicated so william- yeah, okay. so it's got to be it's got to be him the, huh. it mm-hmm. is true said heller because of the universal education germany was defeated in the first world war the working man and the soldiers review- read the social literature and they forced the abdication of william the great therefore william the second but his great grandson was restored got restored to the throne as william the third
3: Mm-hmm.
4: So well, let's that, we can kind of zero in on the origins of fascism. You know, by nineteen early nineteen twenties, you have Mussolini already, right? Mm-hmm, so fascist mm-hmm. ideas must have been around. Um, so my favorite book on this is a rather thin one. It's kind of old and, and in some ways dated, but it's kind of an intellectual history of or an intellectual study of fascism. It's by a guy named Neil Cleus. I forget his first name. It's just called Fascism. I can send you the link mm-hmm. later uh, for that. And what I like about that book is it spends a lot of time looking at the intellectual origins of fascism, right? A lot of people go to Nietzsche, but he actually even goes to, like, some of the the left in the late 19th and early 20th century who started focusing less on, like, the Marxist model of, of kind of, you know, you build unions and then, like— when the economy reaches a certain level then the workers revolution is inevitable the internal conflicts of capitalism all that marxism stuff right mm-hmm. some people on the left were frustrated by the lack of a workers revolution so they started being enthralled with things like the general strike with which uh, we have in this like book like the movement itself right which is of course a core idea of fascism is the centrality of will and the centrality of struggle right and then when you looked at the success of the Bolsheviks, there was some ammunition to this idea that it it's struggle that brings about the workers' revolution, right? Or they even focus on things like resentment, working-class resentment, the emotion of class, rather than, the, like, the scientific socialism idea that class is economic exploitation. And, you know, he had that whole, he had that whole big book, right? Marx did, Capital. Mm-hmm. Just lays out all the economics behind it. He doesn't talk much about, like, and I mean, some of his earlier works, but he's not known for focusing on like the emotion of resentment, but a lot of kind of people on the left in the, at the turn of the century were doing that. And this author, you know, was able to connect some of those ideas to the later development of fascism. And my understanding is Mussolini was a socialist earlier in his life. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And he kind of, you know, gave up on that as, as, you know, no, it wasn't. It wasn't, wasn't
0: going to work. Yeah.
4: Yeah. So you get this kind of then this fascination of the st- of the state, and that's certainly in some leftist discourse too. So this is a, this book kind of goes into that that history a little bit and shows that these ideas were floating around and what mm-hmm. the fascists they were able to like the anti enlightenment critique that's the big one right the mm-hmm. the critique of progress the critique of equality. Right? That these ideas were there at the end of the 19th century, Mm -hmm. right? Where they weren't was like in the middle of the 19th century. So something changed from the 1860s and 1870s when you were still kind of in this enlightenment framework uh, focused on progress to this kind of fond de siècle pessimism.
0: And uh, I'm looking at the Wikipedia entry for uh, fascism and uh, in the section called Impact of the Bolshevik Revolution. There's a photo so as members of Italy's Arditi Corps here in 1918, holding daggers as a symbol of their group, which was formed in 1917, as groups of soldiers trained for dangerous missions characterized by refusal to surrender and willingness to fight to the death. Their black uniforms inspired those of the Italian fascist movement. So, um, I think it's really uh, foolish for people not to pay attention to how your enemies feel when they've been conquered, right? So when the United States uh, of the North attacks the United States of the South, right, the C- uh, CSA versus the, I don't know, Union,
3: yeah.
0: right, um, you get uh, a lot of resentment that's still still around, mm-hmm. although it's uh, sort of probably much reduced. But um, at the time, uh, you know, 30, 40 years after, 50 years after, 60 years after, 70 years after, there's still a lot of resentment there. right? And you get echoes of this long, long after. Well, the, Italy... The strongest
4: fascist movements were losers. I mean, Italy... That's what I'm monopoly, saying. But Italy, Italy didn't get what it
0: wanted in the war.
4: right? I mean, and, it lost like a million people, and it didn't really get the territorial gains it hoped for. So, you know, there was resentment there, too. But like Hungary... That's- Austria, Germany—these were the losers, and they're and, the ones who—and
0: Germany—and um, well, yeah. Hi- you know—and Hitler—and look at look. I mean, if you look at what Hitler, uh, who he was, right? He was a common soldier, who felt like uh, he was betrayed by his bosses. Um, we were fighting a good fight, as they were being told. They, I mean, the, the propaganda they were being told, right, is that this is good. Um, turns out that uh, the bosses sometimes lie, right? Um, The people in charge giving you orders sometimes, you know, don't really care about what you, but they'll feed you what they need to. I'm not making apologies for Hitler. I'm trying to explain. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And and people hearing him speak are ex-soldiers, the survivors who are saying, yeah, all my friends died. And this is the economy that we're we're having. This is the shit that we have to eat. I don't fucking think so. Right. So, yeah, he's going to get some echoes there. the the italians um are again yeah the losers on world war one and how do they feel about that not good um and the fact that fascism grows up in in uh italy um is it is like there's nothing there's no action that can have no consequence right this is sort of the the logic of um i don't know Murderer movies, you know, like where somebody murders somebody and then 30 years later is caught out um, because you can't just suppress and hide the shit that you've done. Um, And what's really interesting is that this this book, it says, um, yeah, the consequences of World War One will be that Germany's uh, dissatisfied and they are going to rise again and cause World War Two. And World War Three. <laughs> um, turns out, hopefully, that World War Three is not in the cards for us, at least with Germany driving it, right? But uh, it was entirely foreseeable, as evidenced by this book, but also the the logic behind, like, we're going to breed this, we're going to do this, we're going to be harder, we're in the natural masters of the earth, right? We're going to put we're, the this.
1: We're going to use science and industry to bring us to. Great heights and, and all the stuff. And
0: notice, notice also the the very subtle way of that Hastings explains the power dynamic in this weird underground city society, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's calling it a city is you know, 300 million people. That's not a city. That's a country, right? But it's all Berlin and it's all underground, and et cetera. Um, he doesn't talk about... This isn't a book about technology. Like, we don't know what powers that submarine... We don't know where all the electricity we're, we're, comes from yeah, to run the lights, yeah. or even if it is electricity. I mean,
1: there's that ray they mentioned that keeps the world at bay, but they don't really explain the ray very well. Right.
0: But what he does do is explore the dynamic between a, right. The, the uh, worker controls the society in a way that the King doesn't. Right. and, yeah, there's these scientists who are advisors to the royal level, right? Um, but on top of it being a very interesting sort of, I don't know, alternate universe version of our, our version of Nazis, um, it's almost really interesting to think about this as a. this is also Saudi Arabia, right? You see how massive that royal family is in this book?
1: Seventeen thousand people, I think it was, it was mm-hmm.
0: Right, and and continuously growing, right?
3: Yeah.
0: Uh what how is how they the kind of Sa- left it open, Oh, big family. Is the Saudi ro- royal family. Yeah.
1: Um that's a good question.
0: It's huge, right? Like there are, there isn't like three princes. There are um, it's, it, it's,
1: it's estimated to comprise fifteen thousand members, but the majority of powers wealth is possessed by a group of about two thousand of them. Wow! Right? Yeah. So yeah. And got that one right.
0: What? How? What percentage of this book is spent in? I mean, if, if you're analyzing it from a feminist angle, what percentage of this book is about the control of of women's bodies? Mm, good percentage. Pepper. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: yeah. Level of the free women and the breeding of women, and and Marguerite's whole story. Yeah,
0: and the fact that they're called free women too, right?
1: Free. In what women. sense are they free? Yeah. yeah, free. Yeah,
2: and breed a woman.
0: It's it's crazy. This book is is um, super interesting science fiction, and yet absolutely. Different technology free right it's all uh, it's all about the social systems it's, it's, it's tech social. free
2: there's a yeah. lot of science in there though with um which i think comes from him being a chicken farmer which is just so cool it's like all the breeding stuff <laughs> there's a lot of and like nutrition as well i think he was a nutritionist right oh, yeah. and,
0: and uh, that's what he wrote articles mostly about for uh, bernard mcfadden who you know was this guy who was trying to perfect himself right? He, was, right he was always in the gym working out and also uh you gotta eat the right foods he's a vegetarian right and, yeah
2: so once i looked that up and as i was reading it i was like oh now i get like all the like the breeding levels and the <laughs> scientific
0: management uh, not just of uh society but of, of individuals and and breeding programs it's that shit was totally in the air mm-hmm. um starting in the late 19, like 1890s and And in the early twenty, very early twentieth century, uh, Germany's sort of obsession with it is how, I guess, we normally come to it is that, you know, Hitler did have breeding programs, just like, well, I'm not him personally, but um, the the Nazis had breeding programs. That oh, by the way, um, Himmler, right, um, chicken farmer.
1: Oh, is he really? (laughs) That's crazy. That's bizarre.
0: Well, well, Mendel was,
4: uh, was a was a farmer of types, right? Wasn't he? M- he was kind of hands on.
1: Mm. Yeah, Mendel. Was
4: yeah, a he did part. like the flowers, I guess, or
1: yeah, right. the peas. He was in plants. Yeah, yeah, pea pods. Mm-hmm. And,
0: and the was, thing yeah. is, is when when they talk about Himmler, um, they uh, you know in the in the propaganda videos, and rightly so, they're not trying to glorify him. They always mention former chicken farmer, right? Um, yeah, but he's bringing. I mean. I don't know if you guys have ever bred chickens, or you know, more importantly, uh, had chickens to make eggs. But they produce a ton of eggs. Like they mostly, you get a few chickens together, hens, that is, and they'll even if they don't have a um, a rooster nearby, they will produce an egg a day. Sometimes more than one a day.
4: So I was asking my colleague, you know, who's a biology teacher at my school. This was last year. I was asking him because this struck me as a bit wasteful from an evolutionary standpoint to mm-hmm. to to lay an egg every day. Right. And he, he was trying to explain it a little bit. But I just assumed this was all bred into them. Mm-hmm. I wanted to know what nap, whatever the chickens were domesticated from. Do they lay an egg a day? That was my
3: question. Mm-hmm.
4: I never really got it. But it it seems that must have been. Human breeding because it seems very wasteful. From it, it does
0: everything. seem wasteful,
4: mm-hmm. right? I mean, you it, lay it's lay an unfertile egg every day.
0: Yeah, it's costly, right? It's costly mm-hmm. to the chicken. Yeah, uh, you know, getting that much uh, calcium together—if it, it doesn't come in into your body via food, it goes out of your body via your bones, right? Because mm-hmm. it's generating; it's constantly in need of generating, and and the fact that um, one of the patents that Milo Hastings is uh, recorded as you know, filing was for a massive, like, million-egg um, uh, incubator. And w- one of the things I was reading about uh, it said uh, how it worked is there, there's a fact about eggs is at the beginning they need heat and they absorb heat. And at the end of their um, uh, incubation, they exude heat. Right, because at the beginning they're just basically protoplasm. Right, uh, there's not a lot of activity going on in there, or if it is, it's it's uh, on a very low level. And by the end, there's like muscles. And uh, if you've ever had a held a baby chick in your hand, they're hot, just like you know mammals. Birds are hot. Right, in fact, they're hotter than mammals generally. Um, so his plan was to use the waste heat from from the uh, late uh, eggs to heat the early eggs, right? So that you wouldn't even have to have the energy put out, Uh, you know, it would be self, self organ. Basically you could almost turn it into a factory, right? You could turn it into a machine so that, uh, you know, those, uh, Science, science fiction nightmares where you've got a machine that creates a gray, gray, goo, gray goo problem, or you know, pr- turns the entire planet into paperclips or whatever. Oh. This would be the same thing except for chickens, right? Um, taking the eggs, um, making sure that the hens have more time to collect more food, and the incubators are constantly cracking new eggs open and making more chickens, and the system is, uh, you know, generate. And that's really what the breeding program in inside this city of endless night is right. They've taken it to a scientific thing instead of just applying it to animals, which we've been doing for a long time. And they're getting really scientific, you know, with the uh, it's Ford, right. With scientific management of, of a factory floor, he's applying that to the chicken industry, but then he's saying, no, we we'll take it a step further and we'd apply it to the human production industry and that was explicitly hitler's idea right is that we're going to outbreed our enemies make more of our soldiers and put them on the field and we'll win and
4: yeah this was
0: sort of i mean it wasn't all like lab stuff a lot of it was
4: social policy so Mm -hmm. my memory was the system like a lot of it was encouraging women back into the home right a lot of it so married couples would get these loans for every kid they had, and if they had four kids, I think it was those loans were forgiven. So a lot of, in, you know, some people have analyzed like the Nazi economy and pointed out that they didn't even go into full full war economy to like 1944, mm. right? You know, that meant like getting more productive labor out of women, right? But you know, that may have hurt them in the long term. Certainly did. But that you they remember
3: didn't
4: jump to full war economy early on? But some of that certainly had to do with this idea of women should be pumping out kids, airing kids, anyways.
0: Did you uh, remember early on when he's getting introduced to the societies, got to his apartment in this book, and then uh, he's looking at the map of the levels, which I really want to look at more. Um, we only have that one from the review in the Syracuse newspaper i
1: really wanted a map
0: I want to see I want to see those maps a lot more Mm because I I spent time gazing at them and going oh my god this is so well worked out um in any case he uh he's told like um he meets some dude and he says yes I have 114 children or something like that right yes dude you're like 28 (laughs) what's going on (laughs) Um well that's uh, you only need one cock for a whole bunch of chickens and that's to produce uh viable eggs right you only need one rooster uh that's why in fact roosters want to kill each other and and uh, then you'll lose both roosters right it's 140
1: 147 147- children 104 of them sons 58 already of a captain's rank and 29 of them colonels my children of the second third generation number above 2000 only three men living in berlin have more total decisions and i am but 78 years of age if i live to be 90 i'll break all the records of the eugenic office yeah it's it, it, it's like yeah. but then why are so
4: few women that's what i didn't understand about this wouldn't you have the
1: isn't it a bottleneck,
4: too? Like, it's only 20% women or something in this society.
0: Well, apparently the women are having no trouble if, with childbirth these days. I don't yeah, know. I guess. And then the, some of those women uh, that he meets on the free level, right, are are producing, have already had kids. And notice that they don't spend a lot of time with their kids. We don't spend any time with any children in this book. Um, but I want to compare this to uh, the actual Nazi breeding program called the Lebensborn, um, mm-hmm. this started in 1935, finished 1945. Um, but basically they would have dorms of women who basically they've kidnapped, um, or, you know, convinced to live in these places. And guess who goes to breed with them? It isn't just regular guys, it has to be Aryans, right? Uh, so it's mm-hmm. Nazi SS guys. And the, the people who were, Created in this system, there are, some of them are still alive. Isn't that crazy? Like this, mm. they actually did this shit. Mm-hmm. And 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 it's you know these aren't families, right? And that's that's really explicit in this book as well, right? That people don't have families, right? The men, yeah, they're,
2: they're just pro- produced.
0: That's right. And the only exceptions to that seems to be in the royal level, right? Mm-hmm. Which is which is again. You know, there's uh, we don't see as much of, we don't really see any children at all, right? I d- I don't think there's a single child in the book. it goes to a school mm-hmm. once. Oh, that's right. Yeah, but they're all grade twelve, right? Where are they? Twelve years old? I think they're twelve years old. Um, and then they do their their teaching methods are scary, man. <laughs> hey, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that
3: that that, that 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 classroom.
1: Yeah, that yeah. classroom was just insane.
0: Yeah. So it, it's really strange that this book is, it is a dystopia, but um, because all of the uh, sort of the Nazi murderous aspects are, um, I guess, not on, they're not really happening, right? They, they are the plans. That's what they're going to do when they get out, right? When we get this breeding program under underway and we get this, uh, you know, when we break out of here and take over the world, then we're going to Literally, genocide uh, all the coloreds. Um, their explanation how they got rid of the Jews um, was that they they made it mandatory to eat pork, right? Like that that would have done a lot of Jews in, right? That they they would have left the country if it was a law that you had to eat pork.
4: I don't um, know, like the, before the solution, so. the the emigration policy. I mean, that was the policy before nineteen. 19- 41 42 before the invasion of the soviet union it was like an immigration policy right <laughs> was the dominant one and then it just failed like it's hard to get people to leave i, yeah. I think it takes i, I think it's going to take more than you know, demanding people eat
0: pork. Well, where they can go, go, to go too right like mm-hmm. uh, you know if if you if you can afford it i mean people did leave they, they'd get on ships and you know like a ton of jews ended up in shanghai like How'd that well, there, was a, uh, there was a, 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 a diplomat, right, who was given mm-hmm. thousands
4: of visas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, there's, like, a he's like he should get more. I mean, he's, like, saved more I people should, than Oscar Schindler, right? He didn't get any, any press. I forgot his name. It's Hood something. But yeah. he was, like, a diplomat in Austria or something, and he just, like, found like, 10,000 visas or some mm-hmm. to Shanghai. Transit mm-hmm. visas.
0: Yeah. It's, we don't uh, know if he should be saved. Mm-hmm. It's a, but yeah,
4: yeah. The, even though the, the a lot of people left, I mean, I mean, the, the overall the immigration policy did not achieve the goals of a Jew for Europe, which is
0: well, yeah. But they also correct. didn't get, you know, like like the. the it's strange if you go deep. I mean, I don't. We shouldn't make this a World War II show, but um,
3: yeah. go <laughs> deep
0: I know, but it's so interesting, right? Because it is so connected. But I just want to point out that you know like the the policies that germany had over jews was one thing and then the policies they had over jews in their occupied countries that they took over is another right yeah, so like the german jews are actually treated a lot better in a certain sense than the austrian jews and the uh polish jews jesus christ that was bad yeah. and uh you know like basically any occupied country there was a different slightly different policies and there wasn't like a single plan this is how we like w- one of the one one of the ones I was reading about uh, was some guy came up with a plan that you uh, gas juice in trucks right and you, you just yeah, that was the, a coma. right and you just put the hose of the tailpipe into the back the problem was is it was uh, the, the people would try and get out and they would break the axle of the truck they'd all move to the back right Uh, Oh, that—that's not going to work. Like they're—they're trying all sorts of shit to get their orders done, um, and please, you know, Himmler and all that. But it wasn't anywhere as systematized as what we see in this book. And that's so. What's so interesting is—is he's taken, um, some actual German um, uh, interests and some German beliefs. And merge them together and says, well, this is what could result if we did this. Like, for example, I, d- I don't know if you guys know, but Germans um, traditionally were really into chemistry, right? Like uh, lens grinding is not exactly chemistry, but uh, the how to make that glass super clear is kind of chemistry and or alchemy, right? Um, and the inventors of a lot of the um, synthetic drugs like... Um, Amphetamines are out of Germany. Um, the you remember during World War II, uh, Germans don't have enough um, fuel for their vehicles. They're busy making artificial fuel, right? Synthes- uh, synthetic gasoline, right? Instead of uh, from ga- from uh, oil, they're taking uh, coal and turning it into gasoline, which is a it's an involved process. So the fact that they've got this whole system of what we need is a particular raw material apparently under some Arctic ice, which I don't, I don't know if you didn't know or where where is that mining? I I thought maybe Antarctica they're mining it. No, they in the Arctic. Yeah, but how do you mine underwater? It doesn't make unless it's but, like some uh, part uh, uh, Canada. Uh,
1: yeah, I'm thinking like some like some island up uh, past Norway or Canada or whatnot, like elsewhere whatever. Island, something like that. Yeah,
0: yeah, whatever it is. Um it's not really explained, but the fact that he he the main character is a chemist, right, and that so much of their society you know everything they eat is practically chemically produced rather than i mean uh, dudes that's our society right
1: yeah, Man, right? yeah I mean, modern oh, processed foods oh yeah
0: yeah it's uh, it's but it it's like you it, 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 literally we take. Uh, petroleum products and turn them into food uh-huh. isn't that fucking weird that is, like, wait, well,
4: i'm a vegetarian so i follow the lab-grown meat stuff
0: right you know, oh and the easily. lab-grown meat yeah, they talk about that too oh. although i don't think they actually had it right but there, there's a whole the yeah, whole pig- did, but- thing about the pigs being you know why they're so important to german society and that's true too i mean he isn't making this shit up you know, pork it's sauce. kind of like a replicator, almost. You take
4: energy and transfer it into whatever they needed. Definitely. Definitely.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, what, what, what do you make... Uh, um, what do you make of the... Uh, Evan, of the... Uh, the factory strike that happens. These guys... <laughs> the- oh, the- oh the-
1: yeah, Evan, go for it.
4: This is, this <laughs> is I don't know. Really I, weird. I, I just was... I mean, because Germans went on strike a lot. Like, there was that revolution in 1919, and that was a working-class revolution. And I just, I I think it's more interesting when you look at, like, the working class today that really doesn't go on strike anymore. Instead, votes, you know? Like, unions spent a lot of their money, like, supporting candidates in the Democratic Party. And I don't know. Like, that seemed true to life to me. And that—that that seems a, a way we've sort of depoliticized the working class is through the vote. It's, it's at least one of the tools that was used to depoliticize the working class. Mm-hmm. So that kind of rung true to me—that
2: they were right? kind it's, of not really. Striking. It's not like hundred
4: years ago when workers did commonly go on strike. Um, yeah, you know, real strikes, not the strikes described in the book, right? Where they just. Um, but the, the whole philosophy of the state there was really, I just thought, really well thought out and fascinating. Mm-hmm. You kind of, I mean, they seem to, by one definition, they're socialist, right? Mm-hmm. And in the chain of events, right, there really was this worker revolution. All the property was socialized. And then they elected the, the king to be just the, the administrator of it.
0: Yeah, they they have elections every year, just like us. Yeah, <laughs> only one guy on the ballot, and none of them are counted, just like us. <laughs> Except well, we, we have the two know, we guys. Have two,
4: right? yeah. We have two people on the ballot, right? And it's even joked about at yeah. one point, right? They said like, yeah. "Oh, like you guys vote for two, but it, it's pretty much has the same effect." Or he like, wouldn't have said "you two guys," but like in the exactly. lands of the inferior races, they mm-hmm. they still have these elections, but they really don't matter. Uh, just as so, an aside, I just, I just thought that was he got that exactly right about a really effective way to depoliticize. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think that's like movement cultures are important and struggle in a way is important in building those movement cultures. At least that's by kind of reading of, of history. So I think, you know, strikes do take workers who maybe weren't politicized. And once again, some like your life will be better with the union and they are convinced of that and they go on strike. They come out of that with real lessons that they can, they can translate to other things, like even in solidarity, right? Like mm-hmm. this happened a lot in, um, like even in the American South where you'd have workplaces divided between blacks and whites and management would use that to mm-hmm. like off the whites. But once in a while, like I think the coal mine, the coal mines in the South were a place where you had interracial unionism mm-hmm. and workers who, probably were racist you know in their daily lives and in their overall view they understood the importance of solidarity in achieving gains for their for their class right things you know they might still vote democratic and, and vote for racist politicians and sustain Jim Crow in their voting patterns but in their workplace struggle they saw a they saw the power of solidarity so I I, I do think Strikes matter in that way, and the way that in this novel is described how they're totally depoliticized. I thought that was really fascinating and and really true to life. At least mm-hmm. now, how the uh, working. Class well, uh, I uh, one of the things we haven't mentioned in China, where I am, and the uh, workers don't strike. It's, it's they're all one big union. All workers are in one union that's run by the party. Right. right i, I want to yeah, uh, I guess you have workplace democracy of a type, right? there's a union that represents all the workers and they have elections and stuff in those unions, but it doesn't matter in, in improving their working conditions.
0: We haven't touched on the idea that um uh, the the propaganda is complete in this uh, this underground city right they've got the uh, education is by movies right which uh, in nineteen nineteen are not quite as big as a thing as they're going to be in five years and ten years after that, but they're definitely a thing, you know, full-length movies are, are in production in the United States, and Germany was definitely into movies um, as well. But um, the, uh, the fact that they, they do their education through video, right, and then books are for the officers, and then those are limited to what is good for you, right? Uh, they have a complete propaganda department, which we don't spend a lot of time in, but the idea suggestions for films and s- such can come from the royal level, and who's going to play the actors on this? We, we, Well, we can depict what, what... We can make a science fiction movie of what it will be like when uh, we conquer the rest of the world and um, German soldiers are raping uh, women to produce more German soldiers. I want to uh, uh, just... Bring that idea of the Lebensform a little more um, into your own minds. I don't know how much you guys have studied this, but um, one of the members of Abba was a child of this. Her father, what was a yeah, uh, one of the, uh, her father was a German uh, soldier, and her mom was uh, Norwegian. And there was a big push to bring, um, you know, the. <laughs> The Norwe, the Aryan North, uh, as they're thinking of it, into uh, Germany proper, and so the breeding program is, is like you're paired up with him, and you know just like the way it happens in this book, where you know they have a mixer, right? And you say you, you have to, ch- you're, you're going to the breeding program, and yeah, you could do a refusal, uh, but you better have a good reason, right? Wow. And the fact that, you know, this is, and that wasn't even an officer. In her case, her dad was just a, a sergeant, right? But he isn't like saying, you know, I really want to marry a beautiful Norwegian lady. What it is is the government's saying you need to breed uh, more soldiers for the endless war of conquering the earth. And that's crazy. And they, he wasn't even SS. He was a Wehrmacht, just regular army. So it's the, it, it was very widespread, and and the fact that you know we still have people who are alive today who are a result of
1: result, result of this scientific breeding, uh, but the ordained plan
0: reveals well, was it, magic. it's not things. really all that scientific, right? Well, I it's, mean, it's, it's uh,
1: pseudoscience.
0: Yes, it, uh, that's exactly what it is. And and the thing is, is they don't eat, uh, they talk about germplasm and stuff. Like they don't even know, have genetics yet, right? At the time of this book, they they don't well, know what a the, gene is.
1: Well, yeah, they don't have the mechanism. They have they have they knew about hereditary yet hereditary they okay. did know but not but, was, not but not but how it was transmitted that right was and
0: so yet. we with a book like um brave new world which this book is precedes, um mm-hmm. and yet also has the master of hatcheries right um it, it's kind of interesting to think of how that brave new world is basically as uh an american benign version of this and not underground, right? Right. But it, yeah, they especially could... in making workers
4: uh, like genetically predisposed to their job, mm. right? That's a, that's in Brave New World, right? Like, yep, yeah.
1: yeah the, the alphas instead. Like the way you
4: resolve class conflict is you make the working class happy to be, you know, doing drudgery and not being educated or whatever.
0: That's so, um, what's the main character's name in uh, Brave New World? Do you guys remember? <sighs> I believe it's Bernard. Yes. Yeah, it is. Might be related <laughs> to Bernard, the guy who is so pushy on this. I don't know if that, that's where it actually came from, but Bernard McFadden, uh, in my mind, is the guy most responsible for for <laughs> for, for American um, gyms. And um, and he was much of he was really into breeding himself.
1: Bernard so, Marks, to be precise
0: indeed and that's yeah. uh, that's the right it's bringing all this uh these ideas together and, yeah and of course it's Huxley who wrote it right but yep. well, um, yep. Bernard Bernard McFadden's magazines were in the UK and and William Hope Hodgson was writing for I believe he was writing for physical culture magazine as well um so it it, it it's that's why I love it. like just I'd never heard of this book until very recently and then like boom uh just a amazingly fascinating cultural artifact that tells us so much about a time in just a hundred years ago that we didn't really know.
2: Yeah, it's crazy. Was this mentioned in the ministry of truth book that we read?
3: Yeah.
1: Is that where we got this from?
0: I don't remember. Uh,
2: I couldn't find it.
0: I don't remember where it came. came I I did find it on LibriVox. Maybe it was a listener suggested. Ah. So I you. wrote
2: a list of all those dystopias and stuff that I wanted to read and this one wasn't on my list. I was like, mm. how could this not be mentioned? It's so interesting.
0: It's so interesting. I, I had no idea it would be this interesting. I just I was reading that uh LibriVox um listing and it it sounded super interesting. Mm. Um by the way, you guys notice there was a um early on, uh there was a reference to Bell uh, Bellamy, Bell- Bellamism, I, I think it was.
2: Oh yeah, yeah I did catch that.
0: Mm-hmm. So this is another Bellamy echo, right? So yeah, in a conversation is, with it probably it probably did get mentioned in that. Well, um, no, I, I but it
4: was contrasted because in Bellamy, was, like here, everything's rationed, right? So many you get as many calories as you consume at work, or, or you use up at work. In Bellamy, it's kind of this endless cornucopia right you can just take what you want Mm -hmm. and the argument there is like once there's post scarcity people only take what they need they wouldn't hoard and bellamy actually has to kind of pirouette on that because obviously in the 19th century you have robber barons who are hoarding wealth right but he has to say well once you have post scarcity no one will feel the need to hoard so no i guess bellamy's idea would if you had endless food no one would overeat well, that's that's because actually also what we have to in this store story. up calories or something.
0: What's right. the money for? It's only to uh, to make the women because women are so stupid or simple, right? That the only thing that they can uh, get their hand on a value is is uh, they won't like intellectuals.
2: <laughs> yeah, and the they, men
0: they like bank accounts.
2: Yeah, and if the men either don't want or can't reach the free woman, then there's no point in having money.
0: That's right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the fact that you have a million marks you can't spend. We well, yeah. can get more women. Well, yeah, but they, <laughs> there's a maximum. You can only spend 200 a month per woman, right? Right, right.
4: Yeah,
1: which is a really weird economy, like – because, because, because even when he get when he's gonna get the million dollars, like, well, how much can I spend? Like, I can only spend two hundred a month at a time. So, and that this is the whole subplot. Of, oh yeah, buy her, buy her a necklace, which is a really weird way to get around that restriction. Because obviously, she could do she could pawn that or do something else with it. The very strange economics in this book.
3: Hmm.
0: Now there is a, another connection that I am trying to remember the name of it not the good news is I have a way to find out. But Paul, do you remember there's a book early on? Uh, it's just totally blanking the title uh, and the author. But we did a podcast on it's about a guy who's traveling through Europe um, and then he swaps places with the prince. What's oh prisoner oh, of Zen prisoner of Zen. Uh, okay. Yeah. So this He's is kind of think a think about it loud. That was a whole, uh, the Zendian phenomena, uh, or oh, what was the name R- of the country of Zenda? R-
1: Ruritanian fantasy. Ruritanian. Yeah,
0: That's right. So this is a kind of blending of of a Bellamy response with a Ruritanian fantasy. And
1: in a, in, a, in science fiction clothing, absolutely.
0: Right? Because, I mean, I thought at the beginning the fact that he gets knocked out and then wakes up and he sees himself in the I thought, oh, it's all a dream, right? But that never comes back. I don't think we ever get any kind of echo later on that that's the case. So it's just a situation where it's a Ruritanian romance or The Prince and the Pauper, right, where you just have a swap. So But you have a swap of
1: two chemical engineers, although he's better than his counterpart, which I found funny. I I, I found that funny. It's like the reason why he was found out is because he's more competent than the person he replaced. (laughs)
3: Mm-hmm. That was hilarious,
0: but, but his competence is also based on the fact that he has knowledge that they don't have, right? True, so but
1: I think he just has a better work ethic. I I get I get the feeling that that the real character is kind of kind of a lazy about, and yeah, he, he, this or he he's
0: just non creative, right? That yeah. there's a whole thing about creativity in here that was pretty interesting, and like how what what there's a contest, right? The kid needs to imagine, uh, this is in the schooling thing, right? Uh, he gets a reward if he is sufficiently imaginative, right? And his thing is if, if water had four nitrogens instead of, uh, two hydrogens, then we could reuse the nitrogen and recycle. I thought, you know, that's actually exactly right. It, that's science fiction thinking right there, right? If you grow up in a, a planetary system with um, that's low on hydrogen and high on silicon, it doesn't mean you can't have life. It's just that, or carbon, I guess, you, you, you just have a different chemistry, right? And maybe it's reduced. And you, then you get a book like um, uh, Dragon's Egg, right?
1: Yep. Or, or, mission at, or, or Mission in Gravity, yeah.
0: Right, and you get just a, a whole different sort of interesting way of thinking And what would it mean if... Right, and that's why when you read a hard SF book, you you find yourself like, "Oh, this is very interesting." Um, And what what I think is so interesting is that you can do the exact same stuff in soft SF, social science fiction, with a book like this, where he's basically fucking nailing so much of what we see as you know Nazi Germany, even though he's getting so much wrong because he's really thinking through what it would mean if you act. I mean, there's probably dudes in Germany who are saying exactly this stuff. He's picking it up and saying, this is a real strain of shit going on. It resonates in my own mind about uh, scientific systems of, you know, uh, breeding and eugenics and all that shit that's going on. The people who are pushing eugenics in Canada, United States, England, and Germany, they don't say, you know, um, I'm doing this because I have an evil plan to make a race of supermen that are evil. They say, I'm trying to help people.
1: I'm I'm trying (laughs) to save, save Germany, make Germany great again,
0: or just make Canada great again. Like they, they have programs where they sterilize native people. That's like fucking evil. Right? Well, they thought they were doing a good thing. What makes them wrong? It's fucking evil, (laughs) but they don't see it that way. They see it. Oh, it's a good thing. Right? Mm -hmm. And and so what makes it what makes something a good thing or a bad thing is is not just the fact that you have an idea, but here he's taking ideas that were in the system already, right? We we wouldn't blame Milo Hastings for for Nazis. I mean, maybe maybe if Hitler did read this, says, I'm going to do this. I don't know that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. We, yeah, we can't lay it at his feet. He's-
0: no, no, no. He abso- I, I don't think anybody would hold him responsible. Um, what, what he, because it's not close enough, I guess, in a certain sense, but also I don't think there's any evidence that, you know.
2: But also he's, he's just a chicken farmer tapping into that, like, uh, of what's in the air, like you said at the time. mm -hmm. So he's just, there's probably a ton of people thinking about the same stuff, including Hitler.
0: (laughs) Probably. And, you know, um. With if you look at H.G. Wells's stuff, right? He he's inordinately pl- proud of a bunch of things he probably shouldn't be as proud of. But he had a story called uh, the Land Ironclads, that is basically it's about tanks. Yep. Except the closer you look at it, the less you think it's about tanks, and more it's more like trains or tractors that are really big that are designed for. You know, but the thing is, is for World War II, it's all about tanks especially in europe right i mean if you want to if you want to win battles you have to have tanks you also have to have airplanes and and bombers and stuff but you can't take land with with uh airplanes you can only bomb the shit out of it right but you need tanks to go into a town and take it um and if you don't have tanks you're dead you just can't win and so it's important to think you know all those people who died from tanks uh, during World War Two, I mean, there's a big game online. It's, it's not as big as, like, uh, what's World of Warcraft? Or, no, not, not one of those free ones. Um, I don't know. There's a huge game online for kids that everybody plays. Um, go Minecraft. And it's neither of those ones. Um, it's like PUBG except uh, free, uh, and it's cartoony.
2: Fortnite. Fortnite,
0: that's the one, Fortnite. right? By the way, all the kids who are playing Fortnite have no idea what Fortnite means just like you know what if what a Fortnite is they just like it i mean why is it even called that in any case there's a big game called world of tanks right all the many many hours that those kids are playing and i guess adults too are playing world of tanks they don't think hg wells is responsible for this and all the people who died from tanks don't think he's responsible and yet even though wells is not exactly describing tanks he's pretty much describing tanks Um, the fact that he's thinking about it and thinking what it would mean to the tactics and how it changes is very important. I mean, this is really what science fiction is, is, is like, holy shit. If this is thinking correctly, then we get, uh, you know, rocket, you know, Jules Verne thinking, you know, in his satire satirical way, talking about actual rockets going to the moon. There's all sorts of consequences to that. It's the power of real, real good science fiction. Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm. so i think the I, I would have written the ending in this book a little bit differently mm. yeah the ending's kind of weird right so what would you have i done, the proper ending because i was thinking about this as i, I was listening to the LibriVox recording mm-hmm. very well done LibriVox mm-hmm. recording and i was thinking this guy really loves his new job Right. He solves a major problem. Right. And he's, he's kind of proud of it, even though he, he's, he's successful. He, he meets the, he meets the emperor, right. Mm-hmm. Because of this. And he gets promoted and he gets to run a lab and all this. He, he like wins these awards and that's pretty seductive stuff. He gets into the, the, that top level, right. The Royal level, mm-hmm. you know, like a visitor's pass, kind of not into the family, but well, it suggests that he's going to marry someone in the royal family, right? right. Even the emperor says you could marry her uh, Margarita, or whatever. You could marry her in two years or three years after the scandal wears off or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think the proper ending of this novel is this is a memoir of someone who's, you know, lived his whole life in the upper echelons of this society and so it I think, who have failed out. to change You it. mentioned before how big the royal family is right i think this is kind of it almost works as an escape valve right the same way that worker at the beginning says you know like if i work hard i'll get to i'll get laid essentially right i'll be in the breeding program
0: mm-hmm,
4: mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's a, and that's what, kind of a safety what valve every man for that. wants right yeah and For different, for the intellectuals, it's to kind of get into that higher level, right? And there's a big deal made early in the novel about how, like, you can see that he's he's got the ticket for the first show. Essentially, it's like a concert that the emperor does, right? Showing off uh, the glory of the whole Zoller dynasty. So this novel really should end with him just becoming a, you know, a German elite.
0: Turning away from his his native-born United states or yeah, natives. but maybe that's
4: sometimes he writes down this memoir for posterity or something. Right,
0: right. Or as a joke. Found, yeah, that. so make it a found document uh, found amongst the papers of a traitor. <laughs> yeah, that,
4: that's right. that's how I think it. Or make it a book like, in how that library, you know how it's right? end
0: up? Yeah. Remember that yes. library that they, they – um, that, that's a whole aspect that I, th- I thought was really interesting is that he's actually – not only is he anticipating the rise of, of Nazis Nazis – um, and their breeding programs and all that stuff. But he's also anticipating the rise of the anti Nazis within the Nazi system. Like there were a ton of people who wanted Hitler dead and wanted to end Nazism, um, and they were in Germany and they were working. They're in the system and they're like, "This is fucking insane. We're living in insanity world." And you can't say that, right? That not only that gets you arrested, it might get you shot depending on what time of the war it is, right? It's the beginning of the war. You, you just be relieved to be commanded and uh, retired, right? But if it's at the end of the war, war, you will be hung on a meat hook after being shot, right? And then you get, like, as tra- you're a traitor. But, you know, the number of people internally who wanted to st-
1: Jesse?
0: Oh yeah, so that, I, I that's th-
1: I, Jesse. I, I, I think we just lost Jesse. Yeah, we did. Okay, well, so I'm gonna try to get him back. We lost Jesse. Ahead. We lost. We we lost our though. So, so yeah. So I don't. I don't even know where he was going.
4: So I can't finish. The thought I'm gonna try to get him back in.
2: Maybe he was saying something he's not allowed to say. Um trying to get him back trying
1: to get him
0: back he was
2: silenced
0: sorry maybe the tiny censor okay, he's back. Back. He back um i don't know what happened but i you got,
2: you got censored by the officials i got know?
0: signed out of skype like <laughs> just fucking <laughs> i had to sign back you in you're too
2: close to some truth
0: i guess yeah. so what was i saying when i was uh, so rudely signed out of skype or was I saying nothing and you guys were not hearing all my diatribes? I
4: didn't know where you were going with it, so I was really interested.
0: Okay, what was the last thing you heard?
4: <laughs> uh, you talking? You talking about, about anti Nazis?
0: Okay, yeah. yeah so so I was Nazis saying. So more. At the beginning, at the beginning of the war, like people were not everybody was on board with Nazism. They're in the no Wehrmacht or uh, presumably some. Some of them were in the SS, uh, although I don't think there was a lot. The SS are pretty fucking hardcore. It was
4: like the army yeah. mostly, right? A lot of bad. Came yeah, the there,
0: there was a lot of and navy, and uh, not so much the air force. But yeah, there was a, a a whole contingent in the navy that were not up for this, and the the submarine stuff. That that's all very much German, like the chemistry also. But uh, the fact that not only do they have um, anticipate the rise of Nazism. They've also anticipated the rise of anti-Nazism within the system. So there's a movie called Valkyrie with Tom Cruise. That's just a, an example of one of the um, many plots to try and kill Hitler and, and, you know, replace the system with something a little more reasonable and not have another humiliating, uh, you know, total defeat of Germany by the Western allies. Right. Um, but the thing is, is that, uh, anti movement is, is within every system, right? So in the United States, when FDR is, is, uh, on the rise, there's a huge movement against him. Um, and in fact, there's some evidence that there was a coup plot against him. Right? The business plot, yeah. Yes. Uh, the okay. businessman's plot. And, uh, Smedley Butler was one of the people who was saying, yeah, it's, it was, it was legit. I was approached. That's actually how we know about it, right? Uh, the fact that this isn't, uh, like there should be a lot more information about this because I don't think he just made that up. I think that it, cause I worry about that happening again, right? All the time. And the, the, the fact that he's not only anticipated Nazism, but he's also an, anticipated the plot to overthrow Nazism within that system. And that, that there would be an elite of, of basically educated folks who are also trying to be reasonable. Right. It's, it's maybe the system we have isn't, isn't all that great, especially with all these um, these uh, royals being born and like it, it's unsustainable, really. I mean, how can you have a 15,000-person large royal family, Saudi Arabia?
1: Saudi Arabia. How can, the, how, can Saudi- that can,
0: how can that go on continuously forever? I don't think it can, especially when you know we've got an oil problem or a carbon, uh, carbon greenhouse problem. gas problem, right? I mean, it can't go on forever. And what is the backlash going to be when all of those people suddenly don't have jobs? See what happens to Hong Kong when... what? Uh, the, what uh, the astounding statistic... Um, I keep thinking about this because it was in that speech um, uh, by the Ng lady. I can't remember her first name. Jeanette Ng? Mm-hmm. Um, she, yeah. she was apparently uh, in... What was it? 20 years ago, um, 40% of, of China's, um, entire income was, uh, generated in Hong Kong. And now 2% of China's income is generated in Hong Kong. Wow. You, you want to see what happens when, uh, you get, you know, a whole bunch of people who were thought they were doing really well and suddenly now they're not doing really well. Um, you get revolution. What's going to happen when the oil runs out or we try and make the oil run out, hopefully, um, by not pumping it out of the earth at a maximum rate? Yes. You're going to get a lot of upset folks because they won't, they won't like being no longer on top in a certain sense.
1: Right? And, 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 we'll, and we'll, fight, we'll fight tooth and nail to try to get back to that position. To the uh, ruin of anybody yeah, else. Yeah,
0: they'll assassinate whoever they need to. They'll form whatever plots and and like, how do you negotiate your way out of that? It's it's tough, right? I mean, uh, Wilson is largely responsible for uh, I think a lot of the ills of the early 20th century and a lot of the ills of the 21st century in terms of promoting racism, of um, sort of official state racism and and also like getting into World War One and expansionism but he is not wholly responsible he's just the guy who made it sort of a legit policy right and that the you know the 14 points and all that bullshit about the un well i guess in this case it was the uh, league of nations right it's it's so important to take a take note of the tiny detailed trends and it's so evident from this guy and his book that holy shit yeah has anybody got it i was struck
4: by christine's because he does have his alternate history here starting with world war Mm one but he still has this like he still seems to have a lot of blame towards the united states for the failure of the league of nations which of course many historians agree with right the u.s didn't join you know they kind of didn't sign versailles so not like you know like Germany wasn't in the League of Nations. Initially, the Soviet Union wasn't. The U.S. wasn't. So there really wasn't any leadership
3: mm-hmm.
4: that could achieve that. I think Hastings, even in nineteen twenties, is aware that this was a dangerous situation. Because mm-hmm. there was a few times where he, he seemed to be blaming the U.S. for the failure of the League of Nations.
0: By the way, uh, the narrator is named Kate Follis. And she's she's narrated a bunch of um, other books. Uh, many of them look pretty interesting, actually. Um, some there's one called the ghost girl that sounds good um and uh, a bunch of Algernon blackwood and so uh, uh oh uh, and ef benson definitely want to read more Ooh. of her stuff or have her read more, uh, have more her read to me little book of profitable tales that sounds good <laughs> i might profit <laughs> by listening to that one yeah it's uh, i also find the other thing is is if you find a really good narrator uh who's, you know, good at narrating, um and they're narrating a good book, it's often a good idea to follow. See the what a, yeah, but, but in a in a large way because if you they're not doing this for money, right? They're doing it because they're interested. Mm-hmm. Um and if they're interested enough to read it, then they're probably share an interest with you because you're interested enough to read it, right? It's not like if I if I I once followed uh George, i I I thought, George Goodall can do no wrong as a narrator, right? And then I listened to a – oh, I'm having sound problems. Um, not uh, for, for me. Okay, good. Okay. Uh I listened to a, a a cat, Lillian Jackson Brown cat book, like a cat mystery book, and I'm like, I was wrong about <laughs> about George Goodall being able to do no wrong because he could not save this terrible book. Um, oh, well.
4: But he's getting paid. Honest, out. it's – I, I always found his like uh, that guy who was doing the Dark Tower before Goodell, the Mueller, whatever. Yeah,
0: Frank Mueller. Died he did King
4: a- so much better, <laughs> and then those. So I never had a good feeling about George Goodell. Well,
0: he did. Uh, he did a bunch of. Oh no, he did um, Neil Gaiman's. I don't want to say Never. Where was it? The American Gods, and I was like, I'm sold. He, just, oh,
4: the American Gods I listened to was the Ensemble
0: uh-huh. one. The original uh, one that was released was, uh, George Godal, and he did, when, when Mr. Wednesday came back, uh, you know, and it's like, holy shit, he's back! And the character doesn't know, but I know, because his voice is back, okay. I was like, oh my God, he's back! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was, that was uh, just a great narrator. Um, Frank Muller, uh, got it. Yeah, Frank uh, Muller, that's. Yeah, he was in a terrible motorcycle accident, uh, crossing I think, I think he was doing a cross-country tour. And somewhere in Nevada, I think he, he took a spill and cracked his head. And mm-hmm. he lived several years after but couldn't work. Mm-hmm. Don't ride motorcycles. Dangerous.
4: Well, you got me a little too addicted to audiobooks. Because now I'm doing this uh, 20th Century Women Writers from mm-hmm. America series. And none of this stuff is public domain. None of it's on LibriVox. Oh, no. I don't have audiobooks,
0: so... Damn. To, <laughs> they're they're very addictive, the right? Yeah.
1: Yes, 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 they are.
0: I, uh, I got Luke Burridge addicted to audiobooks early on. And um, now I'm so addicted. I uh, You know, I, I had my mom reading me a, um, a book she bought for Christmas. She, I said, you're going to have to read it to me. It's a paper book. And she said, okay. <laughs> and that was that was the real gift, right? But uh, I just bought a um, a novel... Written by Clark Ashton Smith, when he was fourteen years old. Edited by S. D. Joshi, um, and there was some edits needed because apparently he left out like letters and stuff because it's all handwritten. Um, it's called *The Black Diamonds*, and it's really good so far. It's um, it's a kind of um, Arabian Nights story, and uh, I I highly recommend it so far. I've only heard one chapter, but boy, it's good. <laughs> I really like Clark Ashton Smith, though. Has everybody watched the, the movie? No. you going to love it. Not
2: yet.
1: The one the one sitting in our Dropbox? Yeah, yeah, yet. yeah.
0: I think I think you're going to dig it because um, I heard back from a couple of people and uh, they agreed that it was magnificent. That's the word for it.
1: Oh. Do we have anything else left, left to say about The City of Endless Night?
0: Hmm. I don't, I wouldn't want to live there. I I'm sure there's a lot more to say. It's oh, it's I a very, very interesting book, in, right?
4: In this book,
1: yeah, it, it, it it's definitely a strength of of world building. I wasn't quite sure about some of the the plot twists, like toward the end, as as you were saying, Evan. It's like the ending feels like it's almost like forced to get him out and out of his comfortable position a little too, you know, a little too cavalierly. But I mean, I was enjoying seeing this strange world that he builds and this, this poor guy who, who has to basically, basically become the mask uh, Preserve style basically become Armstadt and just like keep keep juggling himself through this very weird world I mean I appreciated some of the little tricks they did to make sure that yeah he wouldn't be out too soon like the whole card like yeah, show this, have this card. If you, if you do something strange, then you can go to the hospital. <laughs> that was so good. Because <laughs> other, otherwise, the, the book could have been over in chapter two when they figure, yeah, they figure out there's something wrong with him and he gets locked up. So there had to be a mechanism. So I accepted that. But, but, but by the end, it's like, okay, we're going to really push him out and Marguerite's going to sneak on board. Uh, it feels a little
2: too pat at this point, but I, I enjoyed like, the ride getting there. Yeah. And I feel like how they got him in there. Uh, how he got him in there was really cool like even though it's a it was kind of a bit of a coincidence that he found a german who looked so much like him even that's a really cool moment where he sees the guy's face and thinks Mm -hmm. it's his own face on the dead body um i feel like that was a really cool way to see a dystopia like to have this guy Mm -hmm. going in undercover
0: and it's got a tradition behind it right the as we're saying the uh, prisoner of zenda and and uh, mark twain's um, prince and the pauper there there's sort of a an excuse to do that i mean mm-hmm. I, I i remember do you remember um what was that fantasy books no it's a it's not a fantasy it's by the fantasist william morris right where he just mm-hmm. somehow wakes up in the future and like he had a dream it's just like we don't care how you get in there just get in there right mm-hmm. get in there and tell that story
2: yeah. yeah
0: and and tell it the way you did as a first person story rather than
2: it was it was great though like i really like that in the minds of well the dead done. bodies like there's a lot of tension in that of just kind of like oh my god what is...
3: yeah.
1: yeah yeah and, and if he had gone he had gone to the authorities we wouldn't have had the story but he decided to go go investigate himself i mm-hmm. he, he, mean mm-hmm. he says himself he should have done that but he didn't and so we wind up with the whole
0: adventure so, uh, the, t- the title change, uh, remember it was, um, it was called, uh, Children of Culture. Yeah, Children of Culture. Uh, so that culture word was apparently, I mean, it was a German word and it was a real thing, but it was one of those things that, um, the American government was pushing, uh, saying, you know, we got, they got the Nazi, can you stop? There was an ad with this brute beast, right? And then they oh. have those pickle helmets, uh, with the spike on top, you know this yep. beast in the you, I think world war one right yeah sure it's, it's world a, war one stuff world right nazis, yeah. yeah no but the idea that they're they're treating them like nazis in a certain huh. sense already um i think that the title city of endless night is a little r- more romantic children of culture is probably more um technically correct right uh because that's what mostly what it's about it's about this society rather than uh I don't know. City of I mean Country of Endless Night would be I don't know. Um Yeah.
4: I got I guess I got one more thing Mm -hmm. I
0: can say about this.
4: It's a bit of a confession. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's due to the narrator, and Mm -hmm. the narrator was really great. Um I was fooled by the the girl who borrowed the geography book, just like Oh yeah, me too.
2: Yeah, me too. So okay. (laughs) Yeah. I felt kinda
4: bad afterwards. I'm like, should that have been obvious? You know? No. There's a couple so, of
2: good little twists
4: like Was it just a male thing? Is, is it that easy? For,
0: well, that's uh, I for for had that same it. feeling. That's pretty I had that same feeling. Remember when we our last big surprise book was um uh the 1980 Mockingbird where the girl uh, we see it from her his point of view and he's fallen in huh. love with her and she's like, "Eh, he's okay." <laughs> I'm like, "No." betrayal yes. <laughs> right uh, turns out that later on uh maybe that she did love him kinda but um the fact that he didn't see uh, her eyes were not the same as his eyes um i think that 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 betrayal in this book um is so on point like of course that's how she's gonna do it she's trying to be assertive and make a woman's way in a well, not a woman's way, a person's way in a terrible situation, right? Mm-hmm. It's her, her way of being assertive. Now, we are, we don't have sympathy for her because she says, uh, as we, as in the people sitting around this, uh, virtual table, uh, don't have sympathy for her because she says, oh, I didn't like your little book or something like that. And we, we immediately don't like her because she doesn't like reading. Right. Uh, but other than that, her, what she's doing is completely, uh, understandable and properly motivated, you know, character wise, very on point, I think.
1: Yeah. I mean, she's doing what she has to do to survive. It makes sense.
0: And, Mm -hmm. and also uh, give herself some dignity, right? You fool, you fell for my thing. Well, that's what I do. Yo, right. And Mm -hmm. what was the, uh, the description of her, uh, I thought was not complete. I mean, it's probably we're supposed to, probably supposed to trust it, but she said she was a singer, but her voice wasn't good. But turns out she was an actress and she had no empathy or something like that.
1: She definitely was an actress, and yeah, really and and was out I thought herself, that she so, was a pretty yeah.
0: good actress, right? Um, so
3: it,
1: it, traditional it, it also, femme
0: fatale in a certain sense,
1: and then there's a nice little parallel. I mean, because we 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 find out the real Armstead had gotten. Dumped by 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 a woman on the level because uh, she she didn't find him and find him uh, good enough. And here again, the the, the fake offset also gets tricked, and then of course the thing up tangling t- tangling with uh, the original. So it's like
2: this it's, was the this, it's thing just parallel. Like you said, Paul, like they set up at the start that there's this woman out there who knows him really well. And every time he went to the woman's level, I was like, Why are you going to the woman's <laughs> yeah, level? Like he was yeah, spending so much yeah, time mucking around with women. And it's like, Get out of there. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's a, I, yeah.
0: He's, he needs socialization, you know. Um,
1: <laughs> well, well, it's true because he lives alone in this apartment. I mean, he has a nice apartment by himself. And that's pointed out that most people don't. They live in like barrack situations. He has a nice apartment, but he's, he's lonely. He's a guy. I mean, he doesn't have, a I mean, we don't get any sense of a life that he had before no. this novel. So
2: well, it, it kind of, it's like what Evan was saying. Like he, he was assimilating like, so well, like I was almost kind of like, get back to the mission. You've mm-hmm. got to like, get the information and get out of here. But he was kind of like, Oh, this is kind of nice. <laughs> Just
0: gonna
3: yeah, go I'm, g- I'm
2: going to a
1: Princess. Out. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> now, uh there is one thing I I want to point out. Uh, Misa was supposed to join us and she didn't. She had some business she had to do. But uh this is what she wrote. She said, uh yeah, alas, although I didn't really like Endless Night, uh I thought it would probably have made an interesting conversation. Um I wonder if she finished it because at the beginning uh and I don't know about about up to a third of the way through. I'm like, hmm, this is going to make a really interesting conversation, but I I think it might be an evil book, you know, like because uh, the Nazis, the Nazism wasn't like set off as showing it being evil. It was just what it was, right? And yet, I don't think that it's an evil book ultimately, uh, even though it has uh, all this stuff. It's like. I don't think he, he ever says, you know, oh, this breeding program has a lot of, has a lot of good features or this society has a lot yeah. of good features. I think it just has features and I don't think that it's, it, it's propaganda, uh, trying to convince me that fascism is a good or autocracy is a good I- idea. Right.
2: Yeah. That's why I never felt that he would stay or that he should stay. Like I was sort of going the other way, like waiting for him to hurry up and get out of there so that he could blow it all out of the water
4: yeah
1: burn it all down well but i I found the
4: as you call them jesse like the anti-nazi characters the resistance not as interesting as some of the like i like that worker he talked to early Mm -hmm, on mm -hmm. you know i i found some of those characters who were in the system and and weren't so critical of it a little bit more interesting Mm -hmm. i could see someone who Agreed with a lot of the assumptions here. Reading this and saying this is like a utopia.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. What makes it perhaps. a dystopia exactly? Right. It's
4: it's not. It's like his criticism comes from the the narrator's criticism comes from the fact that he's he was raised outside.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: But if you really had the situation where your society trying to rebuild, you can't come out from underground. How would you do that? And and I don't know. Like project-reading pretty. He- impro- it's not the right way to do it, but
3: yeah, the, the and also the way to do
4: it, but you know, the synthesizing of material, rationing, some of that stuff perhaps makes sense given their
2: circumstances. I feel like as well, though, just like is all of that stuff okay or not okay if you're manipulating and holding information from the people? You know, like it's it's whether yeah. that it's everyone is their information is so limited, so they can be manipulated to make this society the so-called utopia you know so mm-hmm.
0: now there is a book that would be a good follow-up for this and um, i'm gonna maybe i'll try and argue with uh the guy who runs librivox <laughs> <laughs> that uh, we should get it uh, on the on the list of approved books because i would love to hear our narrator kate fallis do it I don't know that I have the power just to wave magic wands and do it, but I I'd like to think that I do. Believe,
2: believe. I
0: believe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um there's a book by Thea von Harbo, uh, who is well known for a movie that uh she uh spawned with Fritz Lang. It's called Metropolis. Yes. Oh
1: yeah.
0: Now I believe the novel was written just prior to the creation of the yeah, there's a great picture of Fritz Lang and Thea von Harbaugh in their Berlin flat in 1923 or 24. And they're both reading. Um, beautiful apartment, actually. Um, and I I don't know if you guys have ever seen uh, Metropolis. It's it, Of yeah. course I have. Well, it's a, you know, uh, and I'm sort of speaking to the audience as well. Uh, I have a bias against um, silent films. And now the thing is, is I, I've watched quite a few silent films and I like them. But I like them grudgingly, you know. <laughs> Just like I used to hate black and white films, now I love black and white films. But it was it was a trial to get, you know. Oh, it's not black. It's not color. Mm, I don't want to watch it. Right. Um. In the same way that uh watching, um, I Claudius, which is shot on fucking videotape. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's fucking yeah. terribly shot on videotape, but the acting and story is so good that, you know, it doesn't matter. So I can get past my bias to watch Metropolis, and I have watched most of it, although it's very long and I fell asleep a couple of times. Um, but more importantly, there's an audio drama adaptation of it that is one of the most fascinating, uh, just amazing science fiction novels uh i've ever heard adapted and it's there's so many parallels to what's going on like in all of these books the the fact that 1984 has a protagonist who lives in a a dystopian society and there's a girl who uh you know sort of sparks an interest in uh you know rebellion and it turns out she's working for the system right that's in this book too and uh, I think I was reading somewhere that uh, some people think that um, Metropolis was inspired by City of Endless Night. So I would love to do another thorough examination of that book.
2: Yeah, I'm in. Right? Yeah.
0: Doesn't that sound fascinating? Oh, yeah. It does. Mm-hmm. And then we get to watch the movie, too. And oh, my God, you guys are going to love that audio drama. It's so good. It's 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 cyberpunk. That's the, what's amazing about it. It's like so up to date and and like futuristic. You made the
2: audio drama. It's
0: a BBC production and it's oh, not cool. not even that old. It's like I don't know, five years maximum, ten years old. Um, and it's super great. I I think I probably wrote about it on the website back you, when I wrote you, stuff. you
1: wrote it back in two thousand and six. You wrote about it.
0: Okay, so I'm saying ten, not I ten could, years I could, old, but I it's Google, more.
1: I, I googled Metropolis Radio Drama and your site came up first.
0: What did I What did I write about it, Paul?
1: I wrote about, about it airing six years ago, but I now just heard it. Metropolis, an astoundingly great radio dramatization of a famous novel that was turned into a famous movie is nuanced, deep, surprising, and totally idea-based. I'm astounded, really, truly astounded and amazed, too, at the depth and power an hour-long program is able to achieve. Hmm. You, you, you gush about it. And, I, you know,
0: um, I'm thinking that sounds like a good... Audio drama. I should listen to that. Full of ideas. Wow. <laughs> that, <laughs> this guy. This guy's really tantalizing me.
1: Let's see. Um, is it? Is it? Is it? Third Eye, Third Ear Radio Theater. Is
0: that it? Mm, don't I'm, don't remember.
1: No, because I was looking on Amazon.
0: So uh, for she Kate Collins, looking for no, got, no, I was
1: looking for i looking for this audio drama.
0: We've got uh, uh, two assignments for Kate Fallis. One, you need to do <laughs> In the Clutch of the War God by Milo Hastings, the tale of the Orient's invasion of the Occident as chronicled in the Human Humaniculture Society History of the 20th Century. That sounds like a good job for you. <laughs> Please spend six wow, months of your life kidding. recording uh, an audiobook for us. <laughs> um, <laughs> and also a Metropolis by Thea Von Harbou. Um, because I totally want to read that, and I'm oh, I'm an audio oh, I, th-
1: I I, I think this is the audio drama. It's on. It's on because it came out it's in two thousand. Probably 2000. on YouTube.
0: Yeah, there's probably a YouTube version of it.
1: Uh, I, I mean, I'll talk about the audio drama that you were so yeah. enthused about.
0: Oh, uh, there's more than one audio drama uh, out there, but uh, the BBC one is the one that I was gushing about. I don't know.
1: Okay, That's okay. This got. is Third Eye Radio Theater, so it might be the, the same BBC. thing,
0: but I, I can't tell you. I mean it was two it was two hours
1: thirty nine minutes. But, no, that's so, a
0: different one, I think.
1: That's a different one then. Yeah. That, okay.
0: Yeah. Good. Thank you guys. Thank Alrighty. you.
2: That was a great read. hmm Yeah.
0: Glad you were in for it because um uh, I would have been telling you about it otherwise. Hey, you gotta read this book.
2: Yeah. It's good. I have like a whole list of dystopias and utopias that I want to read now. Definitely. Ever since we read the Ministry of Truth.
0: Oh yeah. i I want to find out how we found out about this book too because i don't remember
2: yeah i took pretty i took a lot of notes of all the stuff i want to read and this one never came up in my Mm. notes so i feel like it's not from there
0: hmm Uh, i'll I'll do a search on my twitter history i guess uh paul your recording's going to be the prime one because i got a breakage
1: i i know let's see let's make sure that i actually have a recording for you um Spin your prayer wheels, everybody. Spinning.
2: So you guys weren't having sound trouble?
0: I I was having major sound trouble, but not at the time you mentioned.
2: Okay. I just you were cutting crash. out the whole bits, so I wasn't oh, sure if it was good. your Skype or just on
0: my. sounded like Paul oh. was okay with it. All oh, Yeah, it was, I didn't have any breaks at that good. moment. Okay, good.
1: The only break I had was when Jesse disappeared entirely. All right. Okay. That's the only break I had.
0: All right, I'm doing a search for City of Endless Night, and the last thing I wrote about uh, was in five days ago.
1: <laughs> okay. Um, hold on for a second, everybody.
0: Hmm. City of Endless Night is not showing up. So I, I have the
1: recording, Jesse.
0: Oh, good. We need have the those. the full
1: recording. It worked. Excellent. So, you're saved. Thank you. I will upload it now.
0: I want to read uh, other people's review. I uh, had I started a little earlier. I would have like dug up uh, some old old uh, book reviews and stuff. I think that would be really interesting.
1: I think the conversation, even though looking at what other people said, I think we covered things pretty well.
4: Yeah, but
0: um, I'm still. There's more to say
4: about gender gender politics. Definitely.
0: Oh, I think we did uh, a. There's uh, a Okay, this book was uh, fa- apparently finished on June 28th. Um, or, no, maybe not. April 13th there. I don't know if I've retweeted these already, but I'm just doing a search on Twitter. Um, and LibriVox tweeted about it a couple times. Oh, um, there's a book called Dollar Hen by Million, uh, million. uh Milo Hastings. Um, 1909.
2: I meant, Yeah, I was meant to mention that, actually, because I saw that people are still reading that and rating it really highly. Like, they call it, like, the Bible of,
0: yeah. and,
2: of chicken rearing. And <laughs> the thing
0: is, is um, apparently, it's, uh, there, I was reading clips of it, and it's really funny. Uh, really? Yeah, so he said, like, um, he says, uh, here's how you, you know, uh, ideal raising conditions. Just let the hen be outside by, you know... Some rundown shack or board leaning up against it and, uh, maybe some, you know, creek going by. And, uh, mm-hmm. th- that's pretty good. And then, uh, if the weather is, um, uh, too cold, you just move away. <laughs> 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 too cold for raising hands. Just move away. <laughs> move to a better climate. Um, so yeah, it's like relaxed and also like, uh, good, just good advice. And because it's public yeah. domain. Um mm-hmm. and Gutenberg and people are really into chickens because it's super easy food, man. Other oh, than the fact, yeah, that's
3: Sorry.
4: a that's a big thing now, right? Mm-hmm. Urban chicken farming and stuff. Yeah, or something. yeah. Yes. yeah. I, but, I would say three or four people in my close, not immediate family, but close. You know,
2: there's urban farming, and it's yeah, also. Our, our
0: are raising chickens.
2: Yeah, and also hipster farming. You know, like, yeah. it's it's cool.
0: One of the guys from um, Boing Boing does it. Um, uh, not Cory Doctor, the uh, the Los Angeles-based guy uh, who I, I quite like his stuff. I, I don't listen to his podcast anymore, but um, he's got kids and he talks about uh, the chickens and, like, coyotes and stuff like that. And that that is an issue. Like, my mom, when she had chickens, um, there would be Raids by coyotes and suddenly three or four chickens are killed, right? And then you have to shore up the fencing to protect them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but yeah, they, they produce a ton of eggs and it doesn't, it's, it, it's almost like no work at all. You just give them some food and give them some water and then uh, make sure that the fence is not getting dug under and you're probably okay. And then you get free eggs, like, uh, so many eggs you can't even eat them all right you have to share them and give them away and sell them
4: well the permaculture people they they kind of have this basic claim that that these non-industrial forms of farming whether it's whether it's grain or whatever you're growing right Mm -hmm. horticulture or or meat are just as productive as the industrial forms right Mm -hmm. and i don't know if that's been proven empirically yet but you know that's that's like it's, core to the permaculture movement. Uh, it's like we can produce as much food now.
0: It's cool that oh, we, we can get we can food can produce for free as much
4: food as we do now with industrial means through these sustainable means, right? Because if you can't, then we're kind of bound to industrial agriculture.
0: I don't, I, I don't know, uh, like that. That's an economic question that I have not done the studies on, but. Uh, yeah. you know, my mom grew some peppers in their backyard and she didn't know what kind of peppers they were. And I was trying, I'm like, Oh, I think it's just a red pepper. Um, turns out it was a hot pepper and and I was like, I was eating that and it's like, that's better than the kind of pepper that you get at the store where you pay money and it comes on a fucking styrofoam tray. Yeah. Oh. Mm. <laughs> and yeah, so I was uh, trying to teach, I was trying to teach
4: the permaculture principles and the basic idea of it to my students in my geography class mm-hmm. and it was just I had some extra time, so I said, let's do sustainable agriculture. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I introduced what I knew about permaculture and all that. And the students here, this is in China, mm-hmm. were like, hostile
3: to this. <laughs> wow. Like,
4: you no, know, it was like first, like, we don't have time to, to, to basically fuck around with. You're bullshit.
0: Like, You're not helping us, Evan. Shit. Give us, give right? us the well, keys to the, to the Harvard, and that's all we care about.
4: Yeah, that's mostly what they care about. It is.
2: Wait, so why were why were more, they hostile? Like, they, I had
4: students say like one student directly told me, "We, I think you meant the Chinese or maybe the world, don't have time to fuck around with hippie shit." <laughs> <laughs> they wow, hippie shit. <laughs> Did you use but those then, words was, or are those yeah, your I was, words? I was this is what the permaculturists believe, and mm-hmm. this is their principles, and this is and they, they think this can be just as productive as industrial agriculture. Right. And no, I think there's really this I this more Stalinist idea still pretty strong here that you mm. industrialize and you build up your industry through the you know big institutions, state planning, all that stuff. You know, it it's sounds like strong.
0: you're living in city of endless night because that 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 um, well, it, I wanted to
4: mention this when you talk about this, the royal family of. Seventeen thousand. Well, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what the Chinese Communist Party I think it's like twenty million now. So yeah. you just call it the party. Right. And and it makes perfect sense. You you see plenty of historical examples of 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 that.
0: And mm-hmm. you know,
4: inequality in China is pretty much on par with the United States.
0: I, I wanted to and tell Virginia you it's pretty much identical. I wanted to tell you, Evan, um that we had like some controversy here. You know, the the there was pro and anti chinese demonstrations in vancouver mm. um the, the pro being funded by the you know like official chinese embassy um and the anti being funded possibly by the um the uh what were those guys who are super anti chinese government that are a religion what's it called Oh, the falun gong the falun gong yeah, yeah. This, and it was this all, all – the excuse was Hong Kong.
4: I think I mentioned this last week that I was surprised at this like strong leftist – like I think they're like Stalinists or Marxist-Leninists, but they're on the – you know, they're on Facebook. Right. And on Twitter that really think these Hong Kong protests are like a CIA thing. And I know a lot of like support. Oh yeah, there's Hong there's good Taiwan evidence for that. In America comes from the Republican right. It's like some of the most vocal pro Taiwan voices are Republicans.
0: And, there, there's a picture of I mean I'm like fuck. I
4: I, I mean I'm I, I'm kinda of, I'm with Taiwan. I, I I do think liberty is a better foundation for socialism than authoritarianism. That's just what I, I actually, I, I seriously believe, but I don't.
0: Anyways, I don't know where I'm going with this. But there's a there's a picture of where's um, the left John wing, Bolton like, with the guy who's the, funding the Hong Kong. Oh, Bolton? Yeah, John Bolton f- 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 standing you see, next that's to the. I
4: don't want to be alive with right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want That's what I'm saying. Is is, on, is but...
0: there's lots of evidence that the CIA is is funding uh the 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 unrest in-
2: later paul take care the of ball.
4: indigenous. There, there are actual grievances no doubt no about. doubt
0: but the, the grievances should be with the uh the neoliberals that took over and
4: I, I think here they are it might be a bit muddled but that's oh yeah but the, it's the, the same with my like my my pretty fervent pro-Taiwan status. It's like all my, all the allies on the pro-Taiwan side are like neoliberals and Republicans. It's pretty gross. Huh. I, Cause I think better hope for a left or a strong union movement in Taiwan comes with the foundation of, of democracy.
0: Yeah. Here I'm going to send it's you. It's not going to come from
4: integration with China. I don't, I don't think that's the future of the left in Taiwan. Look
0: at this. Uh, I, I really love following the Communist Party of Canada's account, because whoever's running it is so fucking... Yeah, I can't do Twitter now. I'll look later. Oh, no. Okay. Well, I'll just read what it says. Um, democracy advocate, quote unquote, just a humble grassroots activist who wants nothing but bread and roses for Hong Kong, and his pal, noted lover of peace, John Bolton. <laughs> Hong Kong publisher and democracy advocate Jimmy Lai met... Uh, National Security Advisor John Bolton in D.C. After meetings with uh, Secretary Pompeo and v- Vice President, this meant to signal to Beijing, very unusual for non-government visitors to get that kind of access. Yeah, um, so Jimmy Lai so super, I guess
4: I, I'm just stuck with the anarchists. That's my only hope. I, I just have to... That's the only people that I really can line up with.
3: Hmm.
0: I, I, I don't... I, I just don't... I think yeah, state not socialism... not subscribing to uh, communism. I just capitalism. think that...
4: Is is a, is a total moral and economic failure. Seems to me. I mean, you can see, like, the Chinese always talk about how they're eliminating poverty, but they define poverty so shittily. They, they, I think they def- they use the dollar a day. They, they're even less than the UN in defining poverty. Wow. So when China says they're eliminating poverty, it's bullshit.
0: Well, they're they just
4: definitely define poverty increasing so their middle class, right? Anyone could eliminate poverty, you know? you give everyone a dollar a day and you eliminate poverty. Hmm.
0: They're definitely uh making their middle class grow. But that's not it's
4: Yeah, I'm not sure about those numbers either actually.
0: Well, like, the uh, know, the number of students million, I have that, that are uh, coming coming in with cash is much greater than it used to be.
4: Yeah, I think it's closer like the legitimate like consuming class. That's like 100 million, I would guess, not the 300 million they throw around. I, I, I don't know. But I can, the, the, my colleagues, the, the Chinese teachers, mm-hmm. they make less than 1,000 US dollars a month. Wow. And they work longer hours. And, you know, of course, I mean, recruiting foreign teachers, you have to give them a good deal or they're not going to no. go to China. No, no, no. So I don't feel that bad about it. No. And I guess yeah. if you push me, I'll say, like, form a fucking union and do what the <laughs> teachers in West Virginia did if you're pissed off about your wages and hours.
3: Mm.
4: But uh, yeah, I, I think those numbers, I don't trust those those claims about eliminating poverty and all that. I, things are so unequal here.
2: Mm. So is that it, why it's as you say classroom. state socialism doesn't work because they can just define their social work however they well, want.
4: partially, I, uh, I just don't trust the state. I guess maybe I just have an anti-authoritarian
3: mm-hmm. mm.
4: complex. But, yeah. I, I just, I think liberty is a better foundation for socialism than, than authoritarianism.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm hoping um, uh, we're going to have an election in October. My mom's working with... Uh, the party that I always vote for, the Socialist Party, New Democratic Party. Their color is green. Oh no, not green. Orange. The greens. The greens are allied with the conservatives. Their color is blue, and the liberals are red in Canada. And the liberals. Why are the
4: greens allied with the conservatives?
0: Uh. Well, if one reason but is, I heard something about the European Green
4: that the European Greens increasingly are kind of agreeing with Xi Jinping a little bit more. That they just don't think, like they don't, they don't think democracy is capable of solving climate change.
0: Fiscally conservative <laughs> is usually the explanation, right? Um, the conservatives are the party of big business. The Greens are the party of of environmentalism, and there is mm-hmm. some some tie between, you know, not ruining the rivers and the oceans and stuff. But the thing is, is you can be pretty stupid and also be a um uh environmentalist. Right? Yeah. Um uh, there was a guy on Twitter who uh I I had a conversation with and he had permaculture and uh and libertarianism, right? And those things can go together, but um libertarianism is is pretty it's like it's just an immature sort of <laughs> philosophy.
4: <laughs> Yeah, I, I just took one of these uh, left. Where are you on the left? Kind of tests, mm-hmm. and I was strongly eco-anarchist and and anarcho-communist.
0: Well, you have to send me that link because um, the last one I yeah. took didn't have uh, anarchist as one of the um, options.
2: Yeah, send us that link. The fact that it shows well, eco-anarchist as that well was, is cool. That
0: was Maybe so,
2: do you guys?
4: This is my results.
2: Do you guys recommend, do you know any good anarchist people to follow or read? Because every time okay. I try to follow anarchists, I just get bombarded with fucking stupid memes that I hate. Mm-hmm. And that, I, like, oh, you <laughs> mean like a
4: Twitter? Yeah. No, I, I, I do think the solar, I like the solar park anarchist on Facebook. He's, oh, yeah. And he's okay. on Twitter, too. He's, he's very anti, like, state socialism and... If you believe in left unity, he's not your, you know. He'll maybe turn you off, but mm-hmm. I—that's I, where I am essentially—is the this kind of Murray Bookchin kind of social ecology. I guess that's the that's the term he used.
3: Well, and I agree term? with
4: that. Probably social ecologist. There's almost nothing I have read by Murray Bookchin that I don't agree with. He's dead now, but I you know, he was writing back in the sixties and seventies.
2: Yeah, um, I think I, was, I want to read people ecology. who are actually wrote about this stuff. Yeah, and the
4: solar punks have kind of incorporated that approach. Okay, that
2: sounds interesting.
4: There's a great uh, YouTube introduction to social ecology, which I can send you later when I can get on YouTube.
2: Yes, please.
4: Um, so that,
2: I don't so know, I, I,
4: I de, uh, stopped following a lot of the leftist groups, on Twitter that, or on Facebook that they end up following, because they either end up being Stalinists or
0: I'm afraid of that word leftist, because uh, I, like I said, I've voted the same party every year <laughs> since yeah. I've been able to vote, and they're socialists, but they're, they're fucking weak socialists. Like, I they're yeah. running things, and yeah, they do good things, but they're it's just they're not pushy enough, and you know the uh one of the the party. That my mom's working for is the NDP. Uh, they used to be Co- Cooperative Commonwealth Federation. I, I wish they would change the name back. That was the, before I was born. But uh, just because it it was like a Western, uh, we're all in this together sort of movement, is slightly communistic, um, not strictly speaking communistic, right? Because there is a separate. It was definitely socialist, and they are largely responsible for Canada getting. Uh, Healthcare, universal healthcare, and you know w- the the big proposal they have now is for universal pharmacare. Now in BC, um, where I am, um, I I don't pay anything for pharma pharmacy because I don't earn enough. Um, but if you were like a rich guy, you would, or your income's big enough, I guess, you would have to pay a percentage based on how up the ladder you are but the idea is to make it universal across canada and that everybody just pays uh the government pays for it all and right your drugs are paid for just the way Mm -hmm. your medical stuff is paid for and that'd be good but other than that they don't really have another um really good policy and and they voted to bomb libya along with you know the rest of nato the the party that i voted for right and like Mm -hmm. that's not a. well that's kind of like the christopher hitchens kind of left right that yeah well the the fucking idiot left in a certain sense right because why why was he why was he in favor of the iraq was a
4: leftist i I know he was and somehow he supported the attack on iraq it must come like some anti-religious anti- yeah, almost, maybe it's racist. I don't know. I don't no, think was it he's racist.
0: racist. No, he wasn't racist. Mm-hmm. But I
4: think it's it's some idea that that maybe it's because I was saying the same shit. Like somehow liberty is a better foundation for socialism, and if if you privilege that, maybe you end up supporting the in Iraq. This morning, I, I, I didn't.
0: I was watching. Uh, Ma- uh, no, I was reading Max Blumenthal's. Um, you, you guys follow him?
3: No.
0: Uh, on I Twitter, don't. um, he was tweeting about he's being in syria and uh he, he was saying you know that tower used to be con- uh, the photograph of me on my balcony here uh, that that tower last time i was here was uh, that area was controlled by the you know the, the baddies and uh now there's lots and lots more bars open <laughs> like because this area's been liberated right by the syrian government it's very secular they've got like a, a bar across the street open and there's a <laughs> A pic- big picture of of uh, one of the, you know, martyrs for the army um, who died. And the reason his picture is there is because his mom lives next door, right? And and that it's a bar, right? So that's pretty fucking secular, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I'm in favor of secularism, 100%. <laughs> um, I think it's very nice you have your church and all that, but I don't want to have to go. Don't make me go yeah um so yeah we' we're, we're getting the story on syria uh all backwards Max Blumenthal's one of those one of those guys. There's lots of good people to follow um but i don't I notice that l- when I hear the word leftist, somebody says somebody's a leftist, I usually think that person is not on my team I, I, and the thing is is I consider myself pretty uh, socialist and obviously a little bit anarchist. And, uh, I, I really love the communist criticism. I, I don't think they're, but, uh, but I, what, uh, there's a guy I follow. Uh, he's a Texas. No, no, he's a, he's a, um, a comic book reading lawyer for elder. He does elder law, just like, uh, uh, the guy from, um, what's that show? Anyways, he does elder law and he has his own practice. And he's a communist and he's a lawyer in, what's the state that Bill Clinton's from? Kentucky. Arkansas? Oh, yeah, it was Kentucky. Yeah, you're right. It was. But it was Kentucky. And, uh, he's a, he, he's a communist. He calls, he calls himself Com- Comrade Volko. And what mm-hmm. I really love about his stuff is he's so principled. That's what I like is principle. That's, so why vote for Bernie Sanders over, um, what's the, what's the lady? Uh, Warren? Warren. And, uh Warren, right? Because Warren uh was a, a Republican until she was forty-seven. <laughs> That's one of the reasons. Warren doesn't co-sponsor all the bills that uh, that uh Sanders does. And being yeah. a woman doesn't make her a better person.
4: Having well, principles. My, my makes feeling a better on Warren person. is I think she's like I'd vote for her over Trump, I'm sure, but I think she is like, the people, the smart people in the elite who know the pitchforks are coming, mm-hmm. they, see Warren, like they see Warren as someone who can, like, may pay off some student loans, do some shit but to stop the pitchforks. She's
0: a capitalist to her bones.
4: Yeah, and then Sanders is talking about a movement, right, which scares the shit out of those guys.
0: But he, he actually has a movement, right?
4: That's the Yeah. And and he says, we're only gonna get this done if you're all on the streets like and that that's like I think smart people in the elite realize you're gonna have to do something in the next few years to stop the pitchforks from coming out. Um, Like maybe like you forgive some student loan debt or you you do some kind of universal health care or, or whatever. And I think Warren's that candidate. So she's like the last choice if Biden fails.
0: This is, I, I really like following this guy too. Um, um, Give me
4: that guy, uh, the communist though.
0: Oh, Comrade um, Volko. I'll, I'm trying to find him. I'll, I'll follow him later. Yeah.
4: Um, I, I like those southern redneck communists. I don't
0: know if this guy is about. <laughs> um, He, he takes group. a lot of selfies. I was like, why do you take
4: so many selfies? This is... Uh, what is it, redneck revolt? They're all like anarchists, but they're all like uh, rednecks with guns, hunters, like militias. They're into that shit, but they're like that's, anarchists. <laughs> that's I like that. your dudes? <laughs> I, I mean, I'm against gun control because basically I think disarming the working class is a bad idea. Oh yeah, can't I can't
0: remember what his name is, Comrade Volko,
2: but you know, this is my first culture where the working class have have had guns, and I fucking hate it. (laughs) Yeah, my my my
4: philosopher friend says, you know, that's all well well and good, but you know, the working class is becoming more and more fascist. I said, eh, okay.
2: Yeah, I have like (laughs) I have one of those citizen apps on my phone, and it's just like there are the craziest people in my neighborhood with guns all the time. Like, like Crazy. I have like gun threats at the end of my street on that side. Then I have a naked guy with a gun down that side. And then I have another dude with a gun over that side. And it's just like, I don't want to go outside. Wow! <laughs> all these idiots. Well, the have guns.
4: They believed in like their position was, you know, the police are shooting us. So we should have guns and we yeah. should be open about it because that's the only way we're going to stop mm-hmm. the police from shooting us.
2: Oh, you know, lived, I think they're I've kind of right. I've I, I just such think nice societies.
4: <laughs> but yeah, you're, you know, if the working class is turning to fascism, you know, it is.
2: I mean, it's just the working class is filled with as many idiots as it's filled with smart people. You know, it's just scary that.
4: Yeah. But these guys, the Redneck and or the John Brown Gun Club. I mean, John Brown, he
0: used guns to.
3: Yeah. Um,
0: if. His name is... Um, oh, he changed his name. It's now Insect Emmons Jr. Uh, but his name is Will Will Emmonsky And mm-hmm. it says, Outer Space Hillbilly Peanut Gallery. Never lose your sense of hope and wonder. Comics, TV, sometimes books, movies, aging punk, always communist. <laughs> Who is <laughs> this one? His name is uh, Will Monsky, Uh But he's the Comrade Volko guy I was telling you about okay. earlier. Um, Oh, he's got a website, Um, Richmond, Kentucky, and then his hashtag is Nookie Army. (laughs) And sometimes he was talking about. uh, uh, He's got He's always taking selfies with his dog, and sometimes he's he's talking about. um, About oh yeah, he's got a. Wow, he is super communist. Look at this, his website. Um, Anyways, he uh, he was talking about. um, Oops, I said the link care properly.
4: I should be able to look at his website. Send yeah. that to me.
0: Um, I assume this is his website because it's in his his thing. Um, but I, I just found the, the 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 communist guys. They seem super principled. They're not doing it because oh they're going to win. They're doing it because they're, <laughs> they're like <clears throat> yeah,
4: they're against like the that. bad stuff. Like I like Jacobin magazine because I mean there are these leftists who are like. Fuck Sanders, and it's like, well, what? Who the fuck are you going to vote for? You could not
0: vote on principle. Look, he's got he's got a couple of there. issues, but um, honestly, he's honest. That's the difference. Yeah, right?
4: like mm-hmm. someone is going to be president next year, and
2: oh, well, is it Sanders? next year? That's
4: yeah. I don't know. Next, I, I guess I'm a reformist. November. I'm a reformist uh, sellout or something, but I just I just think practically. The fact that there will be a president and he'll be in charge of the U.S. Empire in a few years, I'd rather it be Sanders than Trump or Biden.
0: But he can get shit done, too. That's the thing, right? Like, Elizabeth Warren, she blows like a fucking reed in the wind, right? Yeah, she's got a couple mm-hmm. of issues where she she's trying to make a name for herself. And she I'm sure she thinks she has principles. But Bernie Sanders, he is fucking principles. That's all he is, right? He doesn't, Mm -hmm. his sense of humor is not why we're hiring him. Yeah. Uh, The sense of fashion sense, not why we're hiring him. The fact that he has good hair, that's not why we're hiring him. The fact that he has good hair. (laughs) Well, uh, you know, Mitt Romney's whole thing was, I have good hair. (laughs) (laughs) I have a smile, right? Um, and Bill Clinton had charm, right?
3: I feel your
0: pain. And Hillary Clinton had, um, what did Hillary have again? Anger, I don't think uh, superiority, right? as well, they, uh, uh, they're a basket of deplorables, right? Um, yeah, you're just writing off whole, whole things. Uh, Bernie never writes off anybody.
2: Yeah, that writing off of everybody is probably my least favorite thing about America. Actually, like it's just everyone talks about everyone else like that. Res- I feel like if they would just listen to each other and, like, be able to be honest about what each group has as good ideas, like, this country would be so different. The that it, your
4: gun-toting neighbors? Yeah. Huh? Your gun-toting neighbors?
2: Yeah, just just the politics here. It's just so weird. I guess I've never mm-hmm. lived in a culture. I remember, like, reading about it from the outside and thinking it looked really weird here, but... Now, just seeing how everyone talks to each other, it's just like they all just ride each other off completely. Like that's like the default. I got my jack. You. Yeah, you're not on my team. Nothing you say, I'm listening to. It's like then, that's how you end up like this.
3: Yeah. Mhm.
4: Yeah, but you know, it's like I'm thinking of those those coal miners again. Like those white coal miners were fucking racist. They certainly were. But when it came to the strike against the bosses they 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 work together and they realize the benefits of interracial unionism for achieving their goals
0: and Mm -hmm. just because you're racist doesn't mean you're always going to be racist because there was a a really interesting story about why uh i want to say fred hampton why he was assassinated by the uh was it chicago police um you know about this story evan you probably know it better than me not really, okay, so Fred Hampton heard of it. I may have heard of it, Fred Hampton was the leader of the Black panthers Black Panthers, and oh yeah,,
4: the,
0: that guy. um and he was assassinated by the uh, FBI and the police of Chicago. um they like literally went into his house in the middle of the night and shot him all up mm-hmm. um, uh, the reason that uh, they did it at that time was because he had made overtures to. White groups that were um, trying, you know, trying to form positive uh, relations with their community. Basically, they were trying to stand up for themselves, white groups. Um, But they were explicitly racist, anti black white groups, you know, basically the versions of the KKK. And he had made inroads with them so that they were actually having meetings and. And doing joint protests together, and that's the whole thing right is that that divide the classes so that they're not unified against the elites is is what's really going on a, about racism It is true that if you look different, it's easy to uh point a finger at that dude, but uh if that dude has a lot of things in common with you other than how he looks, then it's. It's uh it's it's just a way to divide people. and uh, official well, government, I think solidarity really
4: is, is very powerful in this way. It's if you're in a struggle together, you come out of that with it, it, it's not something you you can, I guess you can philosophize your way to that position, but most people get there, it seems to me, in if you look at history, mm-hmm. through some kind of struggle, some united conflict, right? And I don't know. that make Is that is that what the fascists were saying?
0: Well, like, you know, like a, lot of, the, a lot of the a lot of the people, like there's this really interesting documentary on PBS. Uh, my friend Steen uh, pointed me to It's It's called Carrier. It was by PB, uh, PBS documentary series, and it's the, about the life of everybody on an aircraft carrier. Um, and what's so interesting about it is almost everybody who who they talk to is fucking dirt poor, right? And almost all of them are black or Hispanic. Um, but there's a lot of white people there who are poor too. And they get paid shit wages, like less than minimum wage. And they're basically in the army, except it's, you know, in the Navy and, and they get docked pay for doing things that teenagers would do, which is what they are. They're teenagers. Mm-hmm. And, and yet, you know, they, they're on their way to the Persian Gulf to enforce, uh, you know, some sanctions or drop some bombs or shit. US right? Empire? Yeah, but they don't, they don't even know why. They're just, they hear what they're being told to do and they don't really care and have no interest. But what you notice is that, um, none of the people who, uh, who are in this common situation together are racist at all, right? And it's not to say that anybody in the military isn't racist when they come out of it. A lot of people are, um, but they might've been racist when they went in as well. But the thing is, is if you have, uh, somebody who's, you know, getting shit pay like you and getting in trouble in the same way you are, um, and you're together doing the same stuff, you you don't tend to have a lot of racism. Right. Um, and that, that, um, you know, having schools into, like when I was a kid, um, we didn't have a lot of Asian kids, except we had a ton of South Asian kids in the schools. Um, and the South Asian, you know, our Indian kids would be, uh, have racist slurs thrown at them. And that was pretty uncool. Um, me having grown up in a community where I was one of the few white kids, um, <laughs> I was <laughs> subject to a uh, racism, um, because, you know, it's just, it's just what kids do. It's sort of just immature and stupid. And it's yeah. just looking for differences mm-hmm. too, especially boys, I guess. I don't know, girls probably too. Uh, just to, you know, feel good about themselves. Uh, exercise of power. It makes you feel yeah. like you mean something and stuff. But uh, if you're in the same situation, and I don't think, I, I don't think, I think the racism is is best flourishing when um, there's top down stuff supporting supporting it by means, right? Not yeah. just by words, but by yeah, means.
2: I tell people here sometimes, like, I remember being racist as a kid, and, wow. like, a lot of, um, especially Americans, like, are shocked, like, they, I guess you're not supposed to say that or whatever, but mm. when I was a kid, I didn't know any better, and my family would say things, like, drop little words and stuff, and I just took that to school with me, and mm-hmm. I remember, mm-hmm. like, because I had very dark skin, sometimes people would think I was Maori, and I used to freak out about that. Like, I did not want to be one of them. I mm-hmm. didn't want to be, you know, like, mm. considered a dark person. It seemed like a really bad thing to me. And I just didn't that, didn't know any better. Like, that's what my parents would say. Oh, my nana, would, you know, the darkies,
3: mm-hmm.
2: in this kind of voice. And I was like, yeah. whoa.
4: This website you, you sent has an article. New Zealand's Prime Minister is facing an indigenous uprising. He's fucking it up. Good.
2: Oh, really? Yeah. Oh shit! <laughs> I've not been following the news there for a little while. Oh, yeah,
0: that's, <laughs> that's uh, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if he runs this website. I, it's just the one that's linked to in his profile. It looks like a good website.
3: Yeah, there it
2: is. But yeah, I feel like I didn't properly lose that, like, because New Zealand has that casual racism thing just in the culture. It's nowhere near as bad as Australia. It's it's that's not uh,
4: society. it's. I think. That's sort of ingrained in those settler societies. Yeah. I don't know, maybe in Latin America, because they were like, in Brazil, maybe. But even there, you have, like, and sorrow fucking up the indigenous people.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't but, think I learned my way I out think of that.
4: there's some kind of cancer in settler societies that...
2: Yeah, yeah. And we read of, a lot of, like, anti-racist books in school and stuff, and I don't think I learned my way out of that. I don't think that I lost it until I took acid i think that's the first time i literally was like what the fuck like this makes no sense um
0: my friend i I, um, I have a friend who's the my friend steen i mentioned him before um he's the most anti-racist anti like like i think of myself as anti-racist he gets like he'll get incensed by by it um his dad was a he's from He was born in denmark his mom's from saskatchewan he, his dad's from Denmark. He was in the Danish Air Force. And then they moved when he was a baby to Canada. And he's worked in the north, like Nunavut, right? Um, as a pilot. Um, and so he's growing up around all these Inuit kids. Um, and I lived in the north because my mom was a teacher, uh, teaching in a town that's almost all Indians. Um, and, you know, her best friend was an Indian. My best friends were Indians, right? Um, down here as well. Um, and uh, that is native people rather than from mm-hmm. South Asia. Um, and uh, the thing is, is you can be subject to racism and be anti-racist, or you can be racist and be racist, right? Um, but there's something about, I think, being in a culture where you're um, surrounded by a group that's much bigger than you, that makes you, uh, more humble about <laughs> you know the fact that you know I'm I'm superior to you and yet there's so many of you <laughs> I think being in, ensconced in it right yeah is probably uh, my mom was not racist at all she's like she's kind of like me she's um in the sense that she's uh she's uh what's a I thought there's a word for people who hate alien was uh Xeno Xenophobe. Yeah, sure. She's a xenophile. Like she's always, she was always like taking us to Sikh temples and stuff. She's kind of a weird lady. Um, and I'm like, uh, this. Uh, my sister. We went to a Sikh temple one time because I guess her. She was an ESL teacher as well, and uh, they she they invited her, right? And uh, my sister and I went. And my sister's trying all the all the candy that <laughs> has like the sweets. And there was one of them called barfi which was a candy. And of course she, mm. she ate too much candy and threw up, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, ate too much barfi and threw up. I, I'm like much, I, I'm much more scared about, uh, foods cause I, I'm more sensitive than she is about it. But I just think it's, it's really funny. Um, then you think, Oh yeah, everybody's not racist. And then you're in the line to, to vote for the socialist, uh, good people. And the guy behind you in, in line is fucking packy. It's like, what the hell? <laughs> Where did I come from? I, uh, here I am in my anti-racist bubble. And, uh, it's, it's like, um, yeah, I don't see, I don't see any of, like, there are definitely cultural issues, like people not caring, like your students not caring about, about permaculture. That's a cultural yeah. problem. It's not a race problem. Because yeah. a lot of the Chinese who grew up here, there's, they're more chill than I am about all sorts of stuff that I'm not chill about, you know? It's just, it's a cultural issue. It's a, uh, so, yeah, something like that. Mm. I just like, I like that the communist seems really anti, um, anti-racist, um, and principled. That's why I'm, I'm leaning Mm towards communism, but, um, I, I think the socialism system we have is pretty good.
2: I feel like that's the thing is like, I like to read that stuff too, because um, for the same reason, like, there's kind of, like, truthful, principled ideas and stuff. doesn't necessarily mean I agree with, like, the full, like, the...
0: Oh, libertarian, like, what that, right? Yeah, Ron Paul says lots of good stuff, but he he's broken about a couple of things.
2: Yeah, and oh. I used to try to read conservative stuff because I feel like I could understand, um, there, you know, like, why certain things matter and the logic of it and the reasoning. But now, at the moment, I can't read it because it's so... I don't don't want to see flags on everything that I read. But, (laughs) you know, like, if you go on Twitter, like, everyone who's talking anything conservative has five million American flags. I know,
0: right? It's a (laughs) a symbol. It's a symbol. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Now it's just like, I can't even listen to you anymore.
4: I love the... I um, I can only handle the, the, the kind of Burkean conservatives, the ones who really genuinely believe that, like, tradition... Like, like inherited rights, that was the Birkin idea, right? Try and
0: find one now. <laughs> I
4: don't know if they're around. No, There must be some, like the anti-Trump people in the Republican Party, maybe. I mean, they certainly were there, I think, in the 50s.
0: I love the the yeah. logo. Like of the some of the early
4: conservative revival, like the anti-New Deal conservatives who sort of thought, like, you really have to build this off traditions.
2: Yeah. It's you know, interesting a, to like hear I mean, like why they think I mean, that. And like, yeah. I mean, you even have
4: like black conservatives who kind of thought that way, you know, like, I guess in the context now, like the people who supported reconstruction governments in the South, that's just like there's Republicans now who would say that's too radical, like public schools and land reform and things like that. But I think there's a lot of cultural conservatism in that and this. Like that stuff, I can sort of respect. I, I reject it, but mm. at the end of the day, but I kind of understand where they're coming from.
2: Yeah, I think that's it's, important. It's like the kind can, of
4: populist right that I don't get at all. Like,
2: yeah, it's. I think it's good that you can say that you can see where it's coming from and say like that's not right for me, but like, you can see why it's right for that person. And then that like, I feel like that's kind of missing at the moment. <laughs> like libertarian,
0: getting, it makes way more sense in the United States than it does in Canada. Like, yeah. Oh yeah, like like when I hear Rand Paul an ideal
4: like Jefferson, like everyone should have their own farm and
0: Or it, just like anti drugs, right? You know, like anti drug yeah. drug uh law um being a, a, an imposition by the state that's inappropriate or, you know, like have sex with whoever you want and uh you know, don't but then it doesn't make sense uh outside of the states at all. Like like Let's do libertarian well, healthcare. It, it that doesn't make any fucking sense. It's a mention of
4: everything we do. That's why I, I, I can't get behind that. Yeah. Totally. I, it's like even science is like you think like Newton in a lab or something. Like That's not how science works. Everything is called, like production, knowledge. It's all
0: cooperative. Mm. Boy, this puts has on us thinking, huh?
4: Even in permaculture, even if you go to like some, everyone's a homesteader on permaculture farms or something, there's still going to have to be some degree of social cooperation and, and even within the family or something, there has to be some kind of solidarity. It's just this idea that we're all on an Island, like making our own fish poles and selling them to the neighbors on the other side of the Island. It's such their examples are so stupid. Mm. It's just so divorced from reality.
0: So what what do you think about Japan? I, 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 what? Japan is a, they're really into permaculture in a certain way. They've, they've, they've sort of taken a different turn on, on, um, since World War II, you know. Um, and, and, uh, there was a really interesting story, um, about, about, uh, I was thinking about this in the, oh yeah, it's a, there's a channel I watch, um, guys named Scotty Kilmer. And he just, he's a car mechanic. He's from Canada lives in Texas and he's been a mechanic for 50 years or whatever, right? And he just, his show is just advice basically to people buying cars. And his advice is essentially the same all the time. It's, if it's a good deal, do it. Don't do it if it's a bad deal. And he always talks about Toyota Corollas, right? Why, why they're a good car to buy and when they're not a good car to buy. And the reason he t- talks about this is because that's his experience in m- buying and more importantly, fixing cars. You know, don't buy this. It's bad, right? It's just very practical advice. But then he told this story about, um, about how Japan, um, or he went, there was a British motorcycle show and a guy, you know, brought in this British motorcycle and it won best in best British motorcycle in show. And it turned out it was a uh, Suzuki <laughs> that had been completely copied. Uh, by uh Suzuki from a British motorcycle, right? Like, not just the outside. It was a show he did on um all the knockoff cars they have in in China, where they like make a a Jeep, and it's a Jeep Wrangler, but they don't call it a Jeep Wrangler, but it looks like a Jeep Wrangler, right? And and how the Japanese, this is true. It's in that um Philip K Dick novel, right? How the Japanese ca- copied uh. A British destroyer, uh, including like made made in Portsmouth or whatever, that was put on the boiler, right? They copy it so exactly, and then from those copyings, then they start iterating and making their own in- industry, and that's really what happened, right? iPhones are being built in China, and then they become they become. Uh, uh, Huawei and they're making phones that are better than the American phones in many respects, right? And now that the Android is getting in trouble, Google doesn't want to deal with China or whatever, you know, government to the U.S. is pushing down on Huawei and having the Canadian government arrest the Huawei executive who has a house here, right, and she's under house arrest right now. Um, all of this stuff is all tied into the fact that Japan has sort of already seen that. Right. So, isn't that China's future? You see what I'm saying? Like, Japan has this really funny spot in history because it's, it's, it was deindustrialized from war and was industrialized into manufacturing. And then they're immediately copying everybody. Right. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: And now they, they make their own products and their industry is very mature. And they have a very, like, their, their industry is so weird. Compared to like, you know, you don't find any foreign cars in Japan, basically, right? You don't find a lot of foreign products in Japan. And yet they import uh, raw materials and manufacture. And now their population's tanking, right? Or going down. But they also have this permaculture thing where they don't cut down the forests, right? And it's, it's not perfect, but it's, uh, isn't it, isn't there something there?
4: Yeah, I've heard about Japanese homesteaders. Like that's like one of the big movements in Japan now. And some of it's filtered to Taiwan, too, but it's really big in Japan. And these people just going back to the land.
0: Wow.
4: Right. Which is easier to do if like by the end of the century, maybe Japan will have 50 million people from 130 now. Wow. Like who needs the infinity stones, right? You just wait
0: ah, well that's, that's, the, that's the thing, right Is I, I, I think maybe maybe uh, you know you can look at it as sort of a fast forward version of something
4: yeah, like the Chinese are worried about this yes and the oh, Koreans there are, are, these are pains. Just... there's these growing pains when you have this declining population you have all these old people and
0: you need robots to take care of them and all that but
3: mm-hmm.
0: you know I'm
4: not Malthusian though.
0: So but I, apparently the Korean birth rate I just really think... started dipping under one as well. They're okay. down to like 0.98 or something.
4: Yeah. It's, I mean, I just think that's, that's a demographic transition. I, I'm, I'm not Malthusian, though. I don't think sustainability is more possible at a global population of 4 billion than it is now. I think it's how we distribute resources and has to do with how we produce and all that where we get our energy from. Mm. Cause I think if we have 4 billion people, capitalism could find a way of selling more to 4 billion people too. Right. You know, look at what America did, you know, five
0: TVs, in every house. Huh. Is that, is that the average? I don't know. It's more than,
4: more than two or three. I, I have
0: think. two. I have like way more monitors, but those are for computers. Mm-hmm. They're did not you say
2: TVs. That's for America.
0: I don't know, I just made that up. Yeah. So. Okay. How many do you have, Marissa? It, it,
4: it's significantly um, more than none.
0: one.
2: Have I have th- I have one projector.
0: Oh, okay. But that you can I use that to watch TV movies, here. right? Yeah. But you have a monitor, which is a, essentially yeah. a TV, right? Mhm. In which case, okay, if we're
2: counting one. monitors, then I we have It might
4: be going down. I mean, this is I I do think technology solves some of these problems, like the lab-grown meat or whatever.
0: I have 11. Now. I don't know how
4: I think uh, once they figure it out, like I did try when I was in you know, America this summer, I tried the Beyond the, Burger or whatever the Burger King, the Impossible Burger. Mm. And like it really does taste like a Whopper.
2: Yeah, we're eating quite a lot of that at the moment. Like the Beyond Meat and stuff is pretty popular yeah. here. So we're making like tacos with it and mm. just, yeah.
4: When those prices go down, mm-hmm. I'm sure most a lot of people still eat meat and But you look at the developing world, like in China, like I think half the pigs in the world are consumed in China, which is why the trade war is actually a kind of a big deal in China. It has less to do with the soybeans, it's like pork, like they can't import American pork anymore,
2: yeah, yeah. My husband's been a vegetarian for like twenty two years or something, and he wants to go back to eating meat hmm. um. Because he, he loves cooking and he, wa- he watches like cooking shows with meat and he just gets really excited about it. But mm. he – because he's a performer, um, he has to make an event of everything. So he wants to have a bar mitzvah.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And, uh, well, what's his, what's his <laughs> argument?
4: What's his reason for vegetarianism? Like I'm basically uh, he, he
2: can barely remember. He, he was a real hippie. So it was just mm. like partly ethical, partly the people he was hanging out with. He just kind of did it and then never ate meat. But, yeah, so now he wants to come back to it. And I'm like, well, you better hurry up if you want to try actual meat because pretty soon ah. <laughs> you won't, well, you know, it'll just be a I weird mean, thing. In,
4: in a way, it's kind of dumb because, like like I said, China's like, consuming meat like crazy these days mm-hmm. with that growing middle class. And even the poor people can consume meat much more than they could in the past. So me not eating whatever the three or four animals I would have eaten, eaten.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
4: In a year, it's. I mean, it doesn't really have much impact on the suffering that animals face. Well, it's yeah. principle though.
0: If 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 it's a if it's a principle, then it's a different thing, right? Rather than
4: yeah, but environmentally, I'm totally unprincipled on many other things,
0: right? You're unprincipled on many other things. Is that what you said?
4: <laughs> well, on, <laughs> I cheat on my, my exams. I'm opposed to that. I take part in. I guess I'll say. Mm right there's like i'm i'm working in china and i'm like i don't really support what my students are doing i I'm, I'm doing it for money
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it's eric eric rabkin's a um a vegetarian and his wife is is not um and so when whenever he goes to a uh, dinner it's always like he has to make his own food you know -hmm. Um, He has to what make his own. Yeah, he makes his own. Like he, he, they went to Barbados or something, and and he was he looked hard to find a jerked something restaurant that doesn't only have jerk. This, you know, Mm -hmm. so it was jerk Uh. jerk jerk tofu or something like that, right? Um, and I, me personally, I like bacon too much to give it up. but uh i also like chicken and i like beef and I, I like lamb a little bit uh i like fish um i like to have them in my mouth and then swallow them um and yeah uh it's sad to see a baby cow get killed but um it's a cow and yeah i mean i would eat yeah, dogs if it was a- more acceptable uh as a and they tasted good assuming um and i love i love dogs i love cows and horses but i I don't see I don't see it as inconsistent. I would probably eat
4: people. What would you convert to the lab stuff if I mean I don't know, maybe if it was cheaper or better. I just took an ethics class and I came out of it thinking maybe eating animals isn't a good thing. And I
2: kinda feel I feel the same as both of you at the same time. Like I'm with Jesse that I like the meat too much to give it up, but I also am pretty sure I'm wrong. Like I'm pretty sure that well, uh, in the future I'll look back and be like that was horrific.
0: <laughs> well, like I don't think animals should be tortured, but um, yeah. I also I have no problem with death. Like uh,
2: yeah, like, me too. I'm uh-huh. I'm the same. If it was humane, it, I wouldn't have a problem with it.
0: No, I'm not. I'm absolutely against people torturing people and and animals. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Well,
4: more animals die in the wild than certainly do by factory Yeah, farming. no.
0: So the cruelty is, is actually not, it, it's not in our nature. It's, well, it's not in us. It's in our nature, right? Uh, so my, my mom's dog, the one that she just spent $10,000 on, apparently, it's fucking insane. Um, because it got sick and it, just the cost mounted up, apparently. Um, yeah. she's alive, uh, but she loves killing, uh, mice, right? At the compost yeah. heap. Um and I don't think she's unethical for it. <laughs> um uh tigers uh want to eat me and I don't think they're unethical for it.
2: No, it's just how we do it. It's unethical. I just think it, it for me,
4: I guess I don't care about food that much. And that's a weird thing in China because <laughs> when when people are like, like where, where do you want to eat? It's like just I'll just have you know fried noodles. You know, they're like baffled. Like, if you eat, you should you should spend a lot of money, and it should be a big deal. They care a lot about food here. Well, that's also, I, and I realize that different. I simply don't care that much about food. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like as long as I survive, I'm happy. Well, you care enough not the to. Dieting's never been meat. a problem for me either, because it's like, so I eat once a day, I skip dinner. It's not a big loss for me. So, for me to give up meat was was like. Okay, maybe I save a few animals' lives, or I'm not part of a system as directly mm. as it would be otherwise. And I don't feel loss over it. Like you, you said you can't, you know, you'd really like the bacon. It I tastes can't say good. It. Like bacon, french fries. Like, if I, I like french fries. If I had to give them up, I don't think I would yeah. care that much. In fact, I basically do give them up when I'm here in China.
2: But it's also what you're used to. Like, I didn't used to know how to make a single meal like a dinner without meat in it I did I just couldn't comprehend how mm. you would do that mm. and then married a vegetarian and now pretty much the only time I ever eat meat is if I go out because then I'm like mm. it's my opportunity to
3: mm-hmm.
2: eat meat someone else cooks it and I can yeah it's it's just weird though like I couldn't even comprehend how to I couldn't imagine giving up meat with every meal before and now I can hardly is remember You're opposite of a foodie
4: I'm, I'm that. I'm the opposite yeah of the <laughs> mm-hmm. I you know, like, Hitler was a vegetarian.
2: What did you say, Jizzy? You know, Hitler
0: was a vegetarian.
2: Oh, good guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's principled.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he was real. Uh, I mean, it, it goes in with. I uh, mean, it
2: doesn't make you a good person. It's no, like, no. The, the, the vegans are what put me off it originally. Like, he I was like, these people too. are fucking assholes. <laughs> yeah, they, 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 well, they it's are. kind
0: of a religion, right? Yeah. Is, is what it is. And it, it, and the thing is, is I have a couple of friends. Well, one of them's my friend. The other one's not my friend. Um, I, I play PUBG with, um, a couple of guys from Peru and, or I did. I, I only play with one of them now because the other one, he uh, said, I've met him through Luke, <laughs> uh, the juggler, right? That's how I met you too, Marissa. I think, um, I think, right?
2: Well, I asked you that because I assumed that's what it was. And you said it was just Twitter. They, they...
0: No, I think it must have been through Luke. Um, uh, yeah, I must have been, cause, yeah, I, I, I guess we could go back and find the first episode, but, um, the thing is, Well,
2: is, I, um, when you invited me to be on an episode, mm-hmm. I, straight away went to luke and i was like hey that's really nice of you thanks for recommending me to sff audio oh. and he was like i didn't say anything about you
0: huh maybe maybe <laughs> maybe it was um he retweeted something you uh, you're a science fiction person that's the important yeah part, we right? were
2: following each other on twitter for uh, a bit before okay. that so. that makes
0: sense yeah uh, that's what i mean by xenophile right like i i find some weirdo like i tried to get a guy from india to come on the podcast and Uh, he said, you won't be able to understand me. My, I speak English with uh indie Indian accent. And I'm like, I dude, I went to school with kids from India. I can do it. And when I talked to him, he was right. It was really hard. Right. Mm -hmm. And yet he wrote a blog on science fiction stuff. Um, and reviews of old science fiction stuff. So I thought he'd be a good person to bring yeah. on.
2: Oh, that's what I was doing. Actually, I had more time on my hands than I was writing reviews of old science fiction stuff as mm-hmm. well. As
0: mm-hmm. That's probably what I do. <laughs> I think you were probably, re- yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, just finding like uh, what other people think in their experience and that sort of thing. But hmm. Uh, yeah. I, so I met this guy, Luke, uh, uh, through podcasting. Then I met you, uh, sort of via Luke and he, then I met this, uh, other guy named Manuel who's a juggler. That's how Luke knows him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he's also a vegan guy who does YouTube videos on veganism and tweets about it in Spanish. Um, but he had a friend that he was playing PUBG with who is also a vegan and they know each other because they're both vegans who go to the gym, right? So oh, every day they vegan. go to the gym and they're buffing <laughs> themselves up and looking good. And so it all comes back to, right bernard mcfadden and his fucking obsession with uh living forever by being uh you know putting good things in his body and and work he was really into working out too showing like i'm 58 look at me <laughs> and then
2: showing, i have such an aversion to that it's so yeah. gross
0: it is gross it is oh
2: gross. i i literally i felt really bad i've been following like the some of my clients follow me on social media and Mm -hmm. I literally just had to unfollow one guy for that exact reason. Oh God. And I felt kind of bad about it, but I was like, I can't look at another fucking photo of his buff gym body with vegan tattoos on it. Like how many (laughs) vegan tattoos do you need? And how many photos (laughs) of your muscles do you need? Like I I can't do it anymore. I don't want to see this.
0: (laughs) I'm going to send you the Bernard McFadden, uh, Wikipedia entry. And you can see, him in 1905 looking all buff and then 1923 still looking pretty buff.
4: Bernard, I thought it was Bernard. Yeah, it's, it's Bernard. Bernard
0: yeah. Bernard. Uh, I don't know if you're you're Bernard Marx. No, no, I'm just uh, you oh. <laughs> I don't I, it was it was just a guess. it's not a Wow,
4: those pants. So when I was in Miami, like I was at this Catholic university and there's this woman there. She taught like languages and some philosophy and she was she had this kind of interpretation of catholicism that somehow like we are the one crucifying christ through the rape of the earth <laughs> and and she had a whole thing about this right and she was into
0: she's a rationalist
4: <laughs> this kind of you know and i had this very much a german trained Philosopher who was in that department, and that the two other people in that philosophy department were like had these really weird Catholic e- ecology inter, you know mm. things going on. He was always telling when we went for beers, he would go on for hours about these these colleagues. But anyways, I, I went to like the the market in Miami with this woman, and and she's like, look at that guy. And I'm look at this guy, this old guy. I don't know, he's like 60. Mm-hmm. She's like, he's 100 years old or something. Like, he's 90 years old. And I said, no, he's not. She's like, yeah, he is. He's a fruitarian. So do you know these fruitarians? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they're the ones who only eat fruit if you don't kill a plant. So that's the rule.
0: Mm-hmm. You can't mm-hmm. even
4: kill the plant, right? So, like, I guess like grapes are okay because they're
0: giving of here. themselves, right? Yeah, but
4: that's it's, there was no way that guy was like ninety years old or whatever she was saying.
2: Yeah, so you only eat the plants. But this idea that like
4: what you eat is some is, is magic. Well, yeah. it, it that is. That probably uh, runs uh, all Usually, I
0: mean, it's I'm going to live forever because right. I'm pure, right? And y- you even see this in Bill Maher, right? Who talks about. Yeah. Uh, he, he's always fat shaming the United States and how fat everybody is. Um, it's because they eat shit, right? And then and the thing is, is there is this, he, he's not wrong. It's just that he, he has scorn for the idea, right? Rather than it's, you know, I, I drive a car that runs on gasoline. It's not because I'm an asshole. It's because I live in this society, right? <laughs> I wear clothes that are made in China because, or, whatever is it, India, because I live in this society. If if I was, uh, you know, a caveman, I'd be wearing, uh, I don't know, buckskins or whatever.
4: Well, at the end of the day, that's how I feel about vegetarianism. It's like opting out is kind of cool. I mean, but it's not the 18th century. We could go off to, to Nassau and be a pirate or something. <laughs> and even then, you're just an adjunct of the capitalist system in a way, right? You're just train off of it. I don't know if you can opt out. You really can't. So that's what I meant when I said I'm not I'm totally unprincipled on other things. Mm. The clothes I I am probably wearing clothes that was made by a slave or some shit. Or children. I'm against child labor, but I probably wore clothes that was made by children.
0: But uh by um, boy- it's cheap, right? by boycotting um, so like I like I was saying with Japan, right? So they start yeah. off as basically violating intellectual property laws right the british the british motorcycle company needs to blah 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 blah. i don't really care i i don't care about that stuff what i care about is like are they going to do so so like right now the idea that scotty kilmer video uh, i really like him because he's he's so he's he knows something about stuff i don't know and he's very plain spoken and so he says like what does it matter where it's made? Only thing that matters is what the, you know, how it actually performs, right? And so what does it matter where the book was manufactured, right? Well, a lot of books are now printed in China. I only care if the words are are not being changed, right? I don't care where where the where the printer is. Um it doesn't matter to me what company makes the product. It only matters that the product is good. So, right now, you don't, nobody trusts the food industry in China, right? Because of the melamine and stuff like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, nobody wants to buy uh, dog treats and that's a big deal. Oh. Oh, students saying 10 minutes late. That's fine. Cause he's, we're still talking. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, uh, but well, in I, I 20 years, won't I, that I, all I, be I fixed? I think
4: production matter. I mean, this is my Marxism or my, my, a bit of my leftism. I actually do think production matters. It's just no one, like Marx realizes though. That's the whole point of commodity fetishism is that everything gets reduced to a, a commercial exchange, and everything like what matters is does the commodity work? Is it the cheapest? You know, I give fifty dollars to some seller on Amazon, I get a new phone. Or I buy cheap phones, right? But nowhere do i have any knowledge of how that phone was made that's like the magic of currency for marx mm. that, that's what he meant by commodity fetishism
0: so when are we going to do a show uh, on uh, the social
4: Bitcoin. the social relations of production are 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 hidden by by the market but that's just the world mm. we live in right i mm. mean who has time to to know you know, the production behind every piece of clothes. That, that's, that,
2: what, that's what I was thinking. It's, it's like such a to time them. investment to, mm-hmm. to be up on all of it. Like, you just have to kind of pick your battles and then...
0: That's right. That's where your principles come in. So, me... Yeah. And problem, uh, I think it's kind of
4: arbitrary for me to pick vegetarianism as the fight. Yeah. It is kind of stupid, in a way. I admit well,
0: that. yeah, but you could say I'm an Android guy and I'm never going back to Apple. And that's a- arbitrary, right? um what yeah. i'm saying is is basically the, is yeah i'll i'll be vegetarian for the day i don't eat food but i'm not going to make it a principle in nice. the same way that um i you know like i i i do say i like i was a fool to be in the apple system for as long as i was um on the other hand it it was less shitty when i was in it right when they started to take the headphone jack out and they started restricting Uh, things even more and you know making that like don't don't fall into the trap even farther right Mm -hmm. but um it's possible that android's going to get locked down and it's not that i think android's a million times better because apple's fucking evil too there are basically everything every uh, i've had this sneaking idea or theory that anything that systems can't love you right Uh, institutions can't uh respect you and give You know, there can be awards given by these things. They can officially give you praise, but they can't love you. And so, fuck them, right? Any institution, corporation, anything like that. Now, the thing is, is I do want to buy from my local store, right? Uh, because I want to support the mom and pop industry that is there, but they don't love me either. But that's just sort of, you know, don't uh, – I don't want to give Jeff Bezos my money because he's a foreign um, evil guy, I'd rather give uh, my local... There's a local billionaire called Jimmy Patterson. I'd rather give him my money because at least I can get at him. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. Okay. I'm here to drink tea. And, uh, kick ass.
1: <laughs> well, you not out of tea, though, thankfully. <laughs> I get that
0: reference. <laughs> All right, here we go. I'm going to get my recorders going. Please record on your end as well, Paul. Yep, yep, yep. And, uh, I, I was doing the show notes for a show that uh, I'm putting out tomorrow. Or, yeah, t- tonight, I guess at midnight. Um, and it's a good show. You guys should hear it. It's, uh, on, um. What's that book called? Uh, uh, Exhalation Stories by oh, yeah. Ted Chang. You might like it. I don't know if you uh, you heard of it, but uh, I'm <laughs> never also heard, a, never
1: a, heard of Ted Chang. Never ever.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's, he's a good writer. You should check him out. Uh, so the si- six minutes story uh, from from that collection is at the beginning, and we have almost two hours oh, of talking. That, about that, yeah,
1: yeah, That that story still creeps me the bleep out. <laughs>
0: Ruins your life.
1: It it, 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 it it just like the the implications of that if that was really true. Yeah, I think I'd be one of those people who would just go catatonic, because it's just like the world is pre predestined to be determined. It doesn't matter what I do. It's all it's all coming it come true what I want to. No,
0: that, that's what makes me feel so chill. Uh, like, Oh, no, that's cool. <laughs> just enjoy this tea.
1: <laughs> why don't we why don't we talk why don't we talk about uh 300 million people in a buried Berlin instead.
0: Sounds good. All right. Uh Jesse Paul, um, Misa, Evan. Uh I just called you Misa, Jesus. You did.
1: Christ. Yes, you did. Um
0: I was thinking about Misa being on the show. Um that's what well, <laughs> that's my excuse. She was going to be on as well.
2: I am um, yeah. I dressed in her clothes and Oh good. Okay. I'll let the... her know. <laughs>
0: both you both capable a doing I've
2: got papers that Proof (laughs) that I'm myself. Oh,
0: yeah. That explains a lot. All right, here we go.